Hello, James. You all right? I'm not too bad. You okay? I am very, very well. I've got a little surprise here. So why don't you just follow me quickly, all right? Last time I done this, something very bad happened. I know, but this is a pleasant surprise, I promise you. Okay, let's have a look. Okay, so here we go. And have a look at that. What the fuck? There's loads of doors, James. Well, why are there loads of doors? <laughs> there are loads of doors. Well, why? Because it's a surprise. But you said to me, not last week, that, you know, we don't really have a celebration as much anymore. So behind all these doors, there is a simple surprise just for you. So why don't you, you take it away, eh? Okay, so I might as well start at the beginning. Go to door number one. Yeah. Open that. Fireworks. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a six-year-old boy. I'm not fascinated by fireworks. But it was like the pyro at the start of Raw Smackdown. You know what I mean? I thought you loved fireworks. I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed. But okay, it was like I said, still plenty of doors. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll move on to the next one then, begrudgingly. <laughs> What's this supposed to fucking be? What do you mean? That's all our listeners listening to us and cheering along with the WNR podcast. Alright, I'm going to skip the next three doors. I'm going to go on to the fifth, sixth door. Am I supposed to be impressed by this? I thought you liked animals. I do, but not doing that, James. Well, I thought two cows doing that, you would be impressed. I mean, I mean, Dan, what do you want? Eh? I just want to start a fucking episode. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... A very unimpressed Dan White. (laughs) Well, we are 250 episodes old, and what we do for very special milestone episodes, like we did with the WNR 100 or the 200, is the highlight reel. So, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and listen to the WNR 250's highlight reel. Before you start it, can we have it to the favourite song of the podcast? (laughs) See you again. Please. That was that was two hundred, alright? It's oh. two fifty. It's so different. I'll explain the reasons why this is a two fifty theme afterwards. Hello and welcome to the WNR podcast or the WWE Network Review, a weekly podcast where we get the very best the WWE Network has to offer by watching something then, now and forever and seeing if it's worth the nine ninety nine a month. My name's James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Hello, let me in. 
Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I am joined by... Dan White. It's going to make Dan laugh, because today is episode 69. <laughs> <laughs> for two. Merry Christmas, everybody from the WNR podcast. Ho, ho, ho. We are in the Christmas spirit. And not only that, we are in the Christmas cottage, the same as we were last year. Dan's got the dinner on. I can hear it in the background. And what an episode we have for you today. excited for it. It's, it, Dan, it intrigues me. I it's, don't want you to make any jokes about it. Don't be smallest. No, they're smallest. <laughs> so, we're going to talk about this match now, be as serious as we possibly can. Uh, Hillbilly Jim, Little Beaver, and then Clayton King versus King Kong Bundy, Lord Littlebrook, and Little Tokyo. And they're locking the door. What? Oh, Sid Vicious again involved in one of these moments. You have five seconds to comply. And Arn Anderson makes another appearance. Oh my god, this is WWE best. Here comes Robocop. He's just going to get a gun out and shoot them all. The cage. Oh my god. He just pulled that door off the hinges down. He was bending the metal bars with his bare hands, James. The man with Robocop in his corner cannot be defeated. God, and I think Robocop's just shooting. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. So there you go. You just listened to the WR250 theme. Dan, what are your thoughts on that? I thought it was good. There were some funny moments. It's uh, a lot different to the other ones we've done. It's kind of highlighting different moments in the podcast. And yeah, they've brought back some very fond memories. Without a doubt, because this is a thing. And, and this is why the theme is ideal. Because especially after the kind of WWE thing that happened. And of course, you know, kind of going on with the podcast this time. I've had thoughts in the past about, you know, when the podcast would come to it and other things. And then I've realised the podcast is the reason why I'm probably continuously happy for it because it's something to do and it's not just through WWE, it's everything else. And it's like, I dare you to say that we couldn't do 250 episodes when we first started. And I dare you can't do 250 more if we want to as well because this is what me 
and Dan, Dan and myself, is all about. And that's the dubbing our podcast. And that's bringing you not only kind of serious moments and the latest news, but all the funny moments as well. Because the point of it is the two friends to have a laugh about professional. And that is what the 250 for me is all about, you know? Absolutely, yeah. It's about, you know, just us sharing our own thoughts and opinions. Hence why we bring you our own top 50 lists of men, women, moves, you know, anything. And, yeah, it's just our own unique thought on... What goes down in wrestling? Yeah, without a doubt. And of course, today we'll bring you the top 50, the full list later in chronological order. And of course, the top five moments of the WNL podcast and the bottom five wrestlers, which you're really looking forward to. I am, yes. Well, I've, I've got about 50 wrestlers on that list anyway. But um, yeah, I'm sure there'll be some bartering and, uh, and a bit of a mass debate going on because I'm, I'm going to have to argue that there are a few... They're a lot, lot worse than others. Yeah, without a doubt. But before that, we start with a week in wrestling and all the latest news. News! In WWE, the draft had started and failed to help the ratings or really change anything. Also thrown to the side. Yeah, like nine more WWE superstars who were drafted for Raw and SmackDown who weren't originally picked on Friday, making them free agents. EC3, Eric Young and Sin Cara, now part of the Raw roster, while Apollo Crews, Drew Gulak, Heath Slater, Tamina, the B-team, Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas are now part of the SmackDown roster. Apollo Crews was never part of Friday's draft pool, was set for tomorrow's draft. After these picks, Akira Tazawa, Cesaro, Chad Gable and Humberto Carrillo remain free agents. Who's Chad Gatti Gable? Shorty Gable. There's been developments in that as well, which is crazy. But we'll move on to Raw, of course, the second night of the draft. And opens with a video recap of the Hell in a Cell finish. That unfortunately, it's still as bad as it was live. Well, we're opening the show properly with Becky Lynch representing Raw versus Charlotte Flair representing SmackDown to determine which brand gets the first draft pick. Although before the match, Becky had some promo time and basically says Sasha pulled for the match due to injury, is scared of her, and she simply can't get rid of Charlotte. Well, Flair pretends she wants to be Becky's friend, then punches her. She turned more than Big Show at this point. Their ball goes, uh, they, they ball as we go to commercials, so we presumably get the match when the ads are done. Well, so the match was told on a brand representation basis, which makes little sense as Charlotte has no reason to care, having not yet been drafted. Well, it was a bit of a slow affair and ended with a roll-up because they realised they never, they wanted neither to lose, and the other option was for a fiend attack, which they did on Spam with Seth and Roman. Well, anyway, Becky wins and Raw gets the first pick. Well, the first round of picks is in, finally, and it is as follows. So, Raw gets Seth Rollins. Smackdown gets Lesnar. Raw gets Charlotte. Smackdown gets New Day. Raw gets Andrade with Zelina Vega. Well, it's very cool for Andrade, that. Looks like he's about to have a match here, too. Andrade picks up the win over Ali, and it's time for the next picks. Raw gets the Bukaki Warriors. Smackdown gets Daniel Bryan. Raw gets Rusev. Smackdown gets the Smackdown with champion Bailey. And Raw gets my man Ali B. Well, again, Raw using that fifth pick for one of those picks people would have wanted amongst the obvious ones. Well, Raw tag title up action up next with Viking Raiders cha- challenging Ziggler and your man Bobby Roode. Well, after avoiding a loss full of the glorious DDT, the Viking Raiders pick up the win with a Viking experience to Dolph Ziggler. Well, the first main roster title win for the former NXT Tag Team Champs. And then we get the new set of picks. And then... Well, Raw gets Cedric. SmackDown gets Intercontinental Champion Nakamura with Sami Zayn. Raw gets Humberto Carrillo. SmackDown gets Ali. Raw gets Rowan. I think they're very cool picks all round there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, very good for Raw, I believe. Yeah. SmackDown's got a couple of good picks as well. Uh, Ali B's in action next, and he picks up the win over Eric Young. Yep, he still exists. With his new modified dragon sleeper called the Dark Ritual. Well, more picks are in and Buddy Murphy goes to Raw. Smackdown gets Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler. Raw gets Jinder Mahal. 
SmackDown gets Carmella. Raw gets our truth. So Raw had a very terrible pick there. <laughs> <coughs> well, next up is Ricochet versus Shelton Benjamin, and in a fun little match, you'd expect from these guys, Ricochet wins with the recoil. Well, even though they're losing, it's nice to see some of the faces we see less on tonight's show: Eric Young, Shelton Benjamin, and the like. Uh, well, hang on. In a massage, but says she likes it harder. And then we go to commercials. And when we get back, Lashley turns off and replaces the masseuse, and Lana seems to be rather enjoying it. Well, up next, if we can move on from that, we've got Fury and Strowman signing the contract for their crown draw match. Well, both Fury and Strowman sign the contract, but then things get a little tense, and Lola runs away. So no puppies, Em? No. Well, instead of anyone going through the table, Braun just smashes it in half with his fist. Well, Tyson Fury tries to break a pen and take but do you know he's going to get paid 12 million pounds for his WWE appearance Dan fucking hell he got into WWE because of his son Prince who's a massive fan and apparently he's taking his um, appearance extremely seriously I've heard about that as well he's actually been doing as much as he can in the performance centre and trying to improve himself to kind of get from boxing standard to WWE standard, I yeah. suppose. I mean, Triple H has told him to slow down. I mean, he was supposed to be resting the eye, but he's excited about Braun Strowman. Yeah, um, well, him against Wilder is the biggest fight in boxing, but he's not thinking, not Dash Wilder, by the way, James. No, Deontay Wilder. Oh, okay. oh, you know, I think they might be brothers, but... Um, yeah, but he's not thinking about that now. He's enjoying his life and he's concentrating on WWE. Well, we get back to Raw, still some big names to be drafted this late in the game, and here we go. Well, Raw gets Samoa Joe. SmackDown gets The Miz. Raw gets Akira. It's King Corbin. And Raw gets Shelton Benjamin. And the next match is Murphy versus Alexander. Well, Murphy picks up the win with Murphy's Law, and again, it was a fun little match. Yeah, Murphy's awesome. And we get some more Crown Jewel announcements. Yes, Rollins versus Fiend, Fools Count Anywhere, and The Fiend is on SmackDown now. Oh, no. But what was funny about that as well is they're advertising it that this match cannot be finished for any reason. I've never seen that stipulation before on any other match. You just don't know there's going to be shenanigans. Well, also, Ricochet's been added to Team Hogan, and Lashley and Nakamura added to Team Flair. Well, the latest draft picks are in, and Raw gets Mysterio. SmackDown gets Shorty Gable. Raw gets O'Neill. SmackDown gets Elias. And Raw gets Morgan. Well, remember when Elias was the biggest draft in SmackDown history? Who? <laughs> exactly. Well, Bukaki Warriors are in action next against Natalia and a partner of her choosing. And guess who she chose? Lacey Evans. Not the one who finally had that feud end, is it? Yes, yes, indeed, yes. I well, just I... love pointless feuds that lead to more things that make no sense whatsoever. And Lacey was drafted to SmackDown on Friday. Oscar and Kari pick up the win in a dull match and straight away we cut to the Firefly Funhouse. Well, Bray's chatting away to Rambling Rabbit as Seth runs in and invades. He beats up Bray to resounding booze. And then he burnt down the Firefly Funhouse. Poor Bray, always getting his stuff burnt down. Oh, is that where the burn it down his theme comes in there? <laughs> Seth Rollins does what he has to do, yeah. So he's built up his new place, turned it into Firefly Funhouse after Randy Orton burnt down the Wyatt compound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now that's burnt down, yeah. so is it going to be a new resounding Bray Wyatt in a new place? We just don't. Somehow WWE just keeps digging a deeper hole with a Seth Rollins Bray Wyatt feud, didn't they? Well, as if the main event of Hell in a Cell wasn't bad enough, the October 14th edition of Raw ended with Rollins physically going to the Fiend's Firefly Funhouse and wait for Burn it down! <laughs> Well, coming out of Hell in a Cell, eight days early, it almost looks as WWE wouldn't acknowledge him. Yeah, he main event finish at all. 
And that might have ended up better than what fans are getting now. And like you said, it seems that WWE has killed off some of the mystique surrounding The Fiend. Previously, his Firefly Funhouse segments had operated in this headspace where it was easy to think it wasn't a place other wrestlers could actually visit. However, barring some massive twist that would be borderline unprecedented for modern WWE storytelling, apparently wrestlers can get there, can attack Wire and set the place on fire. And while this isn't the biggest ordeal in the world, it sure doesn't help. There's some suspension of disbelief required for WWE viewing, but now it's hard to shake the idea of Wyatt setting up his little episodic stage in the back each week and playing with puppets, for it was chaotic, if not demonic, things that took over shows and distorted them. Well, WWE had the benefit of the doubt to get the Fiend character right before Hell in a Cell. It seemed like the company was letting him run wild, doing whatever he wanted and the flexing the creative muscle. Coming out of the pay-per-view... Not so much. Yeah, because based on current WWE trajectory, fans know where this will go next. Rollins will come out with another did-what-I-had-to-do promo. The next match will likely dissipate the anything-goes rules again, and The Fiend will find a way to lose. Where it's supposedly via the Universal Champion pushing a line of what's acceptable, or why attacking a referee to show just how much he doesn't care about titles. The kicker, WWE's draft, botched in its own right over the course of a few days. Sent Wyatt to SmackDown sticks on Raw. If one didn't know any better, it would almost seem like this was the company's way of killing off the Firefly Funhouse before Wyatt arrives on Fox. And that also means the next match between these superstars likely has a predictable ending because WWE wouldn't dare set the precedent of wrestlers hopping between the two shows again after the miserable wild card rule confused everything. Well, if fans are lucky, Wyatt, Rollins and WWE can still find a way to salvage this. But fans just haven't had any sort of luck while throwing every bit of support they have behind the fence. And what seemed like the biggest no-brainer of the no-brainers lately has been mishandled so badly. Fans haven't shelled away from trouncing the company's supposed top good guy with booze during backstage videos and charting AEW as a pay-per-view goes off the air. With the draft now over, several WWE superstars were left as free agents and were able to sign with either brand after they were not picked up during the live television broadcasts. Yeah, well, they've announced today that the uh, superstars have found a new home with seven joined six joining SmackDown. Those who are now part of the Raw roster are Peyton Royce and Billy Kay of the Iconics, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, Mojo Rawley, No Way Jose and Sarah Logan. Or joining the SmackDown brand of Cesaro, Luke Harper, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville of Fire and Desire, Dana Brooke and Drake Maverick. After they weren't included in the WWE draft, there are reportedly no immediate plans in place for the Usos and Naomi to return to WWE programming. Yeah, Meltzer, one of your favourite people, said there is no creative film or return date, nor decision regarding which brand they will be with. Well, none of them have appeared on WWE TV since shortly after Jimmy Uso was arrested for DUI in July. It marked Jimmy's second arrest in five months as he was previously arrested and charged with disorderly conduct and obstruction of justice during a traffic stop while his wife Naomi was driving. They should have a match with the Hardys with like a bottle of beer on the pole match. That'd be great under the intoxicated match. Well, the Usos last vest was on July 29th edition of Raw, losing to Carl Anson and Luke Gallows in the Raw Tag Team title match that also included the Revival. Naomi's last bout was on the July 22nd edition of Main Event, and her most recent appearance on a major show, major show, was a fatal four-way match involving Natalia, Alexa Bliss and Carmella on the July 15th Raw. Yeah. And the Authors of Pain have been uh, drafted to Raw as well, so obviously they're going to be setting up a match between them and the Viking Raiders experience, which uh, I think should be quite fun. Well, the first edition of the WWE Backstage on FS1 featured the announcement of a blockbuster trade. The trade was 
teased last week during the WWE draft edition of Friday Night Smackdown. And last night, Booker T confirmed the announcement would be made public within the next 24 hours. Well, that happened Tuesday during a preview episode of WWE Backstage with host Renee Young, where Triple H announced Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross have been traded to Smackdown due to Bruce Pritchard making big moves since becoming executive director. According to Triple H, Raw received considerations for future draft picks down the line. Yeah, which makes no sense considering both women got drafted as separate entities and then uh, got drafted across to SmackDown on, in a team. What rosters do you think about the two rosters that we've seen with the drafts? Who do you think comes out on top? Um, I think Raw has done quite well for itself, to be honest. SmackDown, I thought they would have had... A lot better pick, seeing as though it's now on FS or Fox Sports. Yeah. But, you know, it's it'd be interesting to see what they do. Well, I think this is the thing. I think when you look at it, maybe SmackDown kind of got, you know, a couple of big faces. But I think Raw's got some really great talent. You know, when you look at people like Buddy Murphy or Drew McIntyre, Samoa Joe there as well. There's a couple of really there's the guys that can really make it into quite an entertaining uh, place. And I think Raw might come out on top. But that was Tuesday night. On Wednesday night, we had AEW, and it was episode three. Jim, welcome. Billy! Well, Tony and Excalibur, uh, join him. We start with a tag team turmoil tournament. Yeah, let me just run through that for everybody that was uh, listening, has been listening the past couple of weeks and been watching AEW. The tag team tournament is setting up, of course, new tag team champions. Uh, last week, the private party upset the Young Bucks, and tonight we've got Lucha Bros versus Jurassic Express. And right now, we've got SCU versus Best Friends. Best. Well, SCU on the way out, but get attacked from behind by Lucha Bird. Oh, SCU on the way out, but they get attacked from behind by the Lucha Bros. What are they doing out here? Well, Kaz sent him into a ring post. And then Daniels is pole-driven onto the ramp. Scorpio Sky then comes out to help his teammates. Well, the bros get out of the way. They scarpered, but the trainers, EMT's referees down. It doesn't look good for Christopher Daniels. But it was a nice, unpredictable, interesting start to the match. Yeah, I mean, that's what's good about it. Anything can happen. It kind of brings the old Nitro feels to it. Anyway, Scorpio wants to take Daniels' place. So here come their actual opponents, the best friends, and they consist of Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta. Trent Beretta for former WWE fame. So I guess best friends are heels as they work over and still injure Kazarian. Well, nice moves came with Trent on Chuck's shoulders, superplexing Kaz off the top. Yeah, but too much taunting allowed Kaz to get the hot tag. And he's on fire, baby. Uh, and a quick thing as well, of course, we talked about us from uh, Dusty Rhodes. The gorilla position in WWE is where the superstars come out to the entrance. In AEW, they're calling it the Dusty position now as well. So one was named after Gorilla Monsoon, and this one's named after who? Dusty Rhodes? Dusty American Dream. Dusty and there's a picture of him. Apparently, they, um, they touched his face for coming out there. But anyway, on the outside, Chuck accidentally took his own partner out, allowing SU to hit an assisted DDT for two. Two! And the crowd's really into it. Best friends have time for a hug before Doomsday Device. But Kaz with the kick out. Uh, well, the timing was a little off at the end, but Kaz tagged in Scorpio style for a powerbomb kick finish. So, SEU faced Dark Order in the semi-finals. And of course, later, the tag team tourney continues. And after that, we get more tag team action. It's Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Long John Silver. Well, I've not seen them before, but they look a lot like jobbers. And we're right, as the inner circle are out, and it's Santana and Ortiz. So no, no longer LAX, but part of a stable already. Yeah, and this is not a match, it's about destruction. Well, one offensive move and a kick by our faces. Fluid motion by the hills, and they did the job needed and made them look like killers. 
Street sweeper to finish and it is all over. Yes, yeah, the setup power bomb net break off top to finish that. Uh, but Jericho then comes onto the screen. Le Champion said he knew his team would dominate. And at full gear, they want the Young Bucks. Well, Jericho puts both teams over, giving them the rub, makes a great pay-per-view match. And then, a little bit of bubbly. Have a little bit of bubbly. <laughs> well, we get a promo. It's Cody and Bill towards the AEW title match at full gear. His mum, wife, and others talk about what it means to him. Yeah, and the AEW production values are as good as WWE, so this is really on point, actually. Uh, next up, it's AEW women's title on the line. Yeah, and it's Dr. Britt Baker versus Rio. Well, this is a match to make at the moment, and I'm a fan of both of these women. Yeah, back in the day, I would have said they should be in WWE, but the fact remains that they have their own success in AEW on TNT, so there's plenty of exposure there. Yeah, so both of our face, both are faces, so a lot of respect and good old wrestling. Yeah, Brett is bigger, but speed is, of course, in Rio's favour. Yeah, it seemed to me that they're running through the spots, though, at times. Yeah, a little bit of time would have helped, but it's still a good match, lots of back and forth. Yeah, Brett came close towards the end, but just couldn't put her away. Heating things up, though, between both women. The double foot stomp didn't put Brit down, and yeah. the double knees were dodged. And looking for the lockjaw, but as Brit got the mouth open, Rio managed to roll her up. It was a good match, and with a bit more time, it could have been a lot, lot better. And then it's good to see a bit of respect shown afterwards as well. Yes, there's an update on Christopher Daniels. He's suffered a stinger, but he's okay. Yeah, and the perpetrators of the attack earlier, Lucha Bros, are in action versus Jurassic Express. Yes, and the tag team tournament winner faces Private Party in the semis. Well, it was originally going to be Luchasaurus, but he's injured, so Marco Stunt is in taking his place, and Jungle Boy will be the team. Well, Marco does make me laugh a bit, and I think he's just a little bit taller than Hornswoggle. Yeah, a bit of comedy to start, button of the hands, and it is funny to see Marco thrown about by his own tag team partner as well. Yes, on on paper, the bros were favourites, but like we've seen in AEW, each team are made to look competitive. Yeah, some real innovative tag team moves by the Express as well. But the heels got serious and turned things their way, working on the smaller man. Yeah, Gridder Press turned into a one-handed Gridder Press into a super kick. was <laughs> an impressive tag team move. And then Jungle Boy gets the hot tag. He's on fire, baby. 450, shooting star, uh, 450 and a shooting star combo. Can't put down Phoenix. Well, Pentagon in for a foot stomp into a pile driver. And it was a good match. And there were some mad moves in this one, I tell you. Uh, this one was destined for brilliance. Pack and John Moxley were never going to get along as tag team parties. What made the dynamic of their match against Hangman, Adam Page and Kenny Omega work uh, so such a must-see material. This match was as violent as it gets, which is what makes the character work and the storytelling weaved throughout just so jaw-droppingly impressive. Yeah, Pac was his usual self. Moxie was un- unhinged in his uh, desire to crush Omega. Page come off as desperate given his losing record, and Omega probably never looked this vicious on AEW thus far. It was a masterclass. The action was entertaining and devastating as expected for an announcer called a ringful of star power. But best of all was the inevitable mock, uh, Moxley pack collision. Moxley made it clear during a pre-match promo that anyone in his way on the path to Omega would regret it. True enough story. Pack disarmed Omega and Mox of their barbed wire weapons teased a week 
a go because he wanted to avoid some disqualification to win the match in a Stone Cold-esque fashion. Yeah, Mox turned around, flipped Doublebergs and assaulted his own partner before leaving the arena, leaving Pack to get dismantled in a 2 and one that resulted in a loss. It doesn't get much better than that as far as Moxley and Omega build. Well, now Paige can claim some revenge and a win over Pack. Moxley and Pack were also destined for a brutal collision. The threads to these feuds are only beginning to unravel. Yeah, and it was a really well put together tag team match. And then the main event, and Allen and Jericho took the match into an unexpected street fight overtures using chairs, candy sticks and more as the champions caught off guard from the beginning of his prone to suffer. Eventually, Jer- Jericho got the upper hand by tying Allen's hands behind his back and beating the shit out of him. But Allen used this as a chance to showcase why he's one of the best. He pulled off a variety of offence off the ropes and even from the top ropes, all with his hands tied behind his back. Well, the expected interference from Jake Hager came before Allen could attempt his incredible-looking coffin drop to go for the win. But as far as main event for the television go, this was as good as it gets. Not only did it seem credible and upset happen, is a surefire threat at the top of the card, despite his youth. Odds are he'll be back for more title shots soon, and in the interim, we're still headed towards a Jericho-Cody collision, and Allen can go after members of the inner circle. Yeah, so a really good episode of AEW there. I mean, a lot of tag team wrestling... But just the kind of storylines being told, we're building towards the next pay-per-view now as well, which is, uh, I think, you know, it's going to be a good one when we look at the matches that are going to be in store. Uh, and then um, we had Friday night. I didn't actually watch it last night. I'm not going to lie to everybody. Uh, I was watching the basement instead. At the moment, uh, the Yankees are playing, and uh, I was trying to watch that. They're down in the series. But the thing is, is that, weirdly enough, SmackDown's not going to be on their normal channel next Friday because of the World Series, and hopefully Yankees can get through to there. Uh, but we'll just run through the SmackDown results quickly. I don't think there's really anything of note. So now we'll bring back uh, an old item. Dan, it's time for your... SmackDown summary. Well, we had SmackDown kicking off with an Intercontinental title match between champion Shinzuki fucking Nakamura... And challenger Roman Reigns. Yeah, well, Naka sets up for a King Shasha, but catches a Superman punch instead for a near fall. Roman sets up one more spear, only for Baron Corbin to attack from behind with his King Scepter, causing a DQ. The trio beat up on Roman Reigns before the latter gets saved by a Daniel Bryan running. The trio benefit from a two-on-one advantage. The hills walk away, leaving the baby faces laying in the ring. So Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns continue their kind of Strange relationship. I mean, I think Rollins Nak- uh, Reigns Nakamura is a good match, but I mean, is it right Reigns now going to be treated kind of with the Intercontinental title there instead of uh, main event level? Are they doing it because of like, the kind of Cain Velasquez thing and they're keeping Reigns just quiet at the moment? Well, I think that is, you know, he's he's being kept quiet, but he's not kept out of the picture, is he? But, you know, one thing that's annoying is the non-finishes in WWE lately. I mean, you know, it is starting to become a trend they're trying to protect both wrestlers and uh well especially when it's on fox and it's meant to be a more kind of sports like feel and you have a non-finishes that's kind of takes it away from it doesn't it you know absolutely yes and uh, not, you know an aew in itself i don't think we've had a non-finish yet so i don't think so either no um i mean there's a couple that should have been a non-finish but the referee just <laughs> kept it going anyway but i like that you know yeah well you know we see the new day they're caught singing backstage before heavy machinery tucker and otis confront them to offer making pancakes for them to lift Kofi's spirits after losing a WWE. Kofi promises he's fine because he has the power of positivity on his side. But Otis nonetheless arrives with pancake batter on deck. New case says, uh, New Day on says... what? Yeah, on pancake batter on his what? On deck. Oh. 
Easy. Yeah, easy well, New Day say it's too soon before their match to eat because they'll all get cramps, but Otis downs all the batter himself. Typical Otis fashion. You love Otis, don't you? We get Shorty Gable versus Curtis Axel. It's Shorty G is, is now his new name. Yes, well, he said in an interview after the match, he says, I accept who I am. I'm Shorty Gable. Actually, let's shorten it. I'm Shorty G. And he beat Curtis Axel, former Intercontinental Champion, in just, you know, it's just a shame, really. Absolutely. It was an awful fucking match, though. Um, well, New Day and Heavy Machinery versus the Revival, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler. And it is uh, Steaks and Pancakes, their little team nickname <laughs> like is going to be. Um, yeah, you know, it was... Uh, it was you know, WWE can do that right, can't they? Like multi-man matches. So I think this is the thing yeah. that always entertaining in that way. Well, New Day are built in for that spot, aren't they? Talking of uh, entertaining, Biggie and Otis wishboning Ziggler is um, quite an entertaining visual. Um, well, heavy machinery in the New Day get the victory. Biggie makes the tag, puts Dawson onto his shoulders, tags in Woods for the midnight hour. <laughs> so at least there's two challenges there for the revival down the line in the new day and uh, heavy machinery. Absolutely, yes. Well, in hour two of WWE SmackDown, the Miz has Bailey on as a special guest for a special edition of Miz TV. I've Bailey used the best expression, Vince, one of the best promos Vince Man ever has used. I used to be what they wanted me to be. I've outgrown them. Life sucks, and then you die. Exactly. I remember Vince saying, life sucks, and then you die. Absolutely, yes. Uh, well, you know, we didn't really get many answers, but we do get a six-pack challenge. Lacey Evans versus Dana Brooke versus Carmella versus Mandy Rose versus Sonya Deville versus Nikki Cross to become number one contender. Who wins? Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. Nikki Cross gets the victory there. Does that surprise you, considering, you know, you was Alexa Bliss's tag team partner? We, we know well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad Nikki Cross is getting opportunities. She's a huge talent, and if WWE get behind her, it's definitely going to work, or is she going to be just the, the first victim in Bailey's uh, women's title reign? Well, cannon fodder in it, really. You know what it's going to be. Um, we had a very, 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 very interesting match versus... Braun Strowman. Gulak introduces himself on the mic in his SmackDown debut and says he's certain Braun will get knocked out at Crown Jewel, but Strowman doesn't want to see that, so he made 300 slides to show Braun how to beat Tyson Fury. But Braun decides to squash him instead rather than listen to his advice. So, yeah, Braun beats Gulak in a squash match. Hang on a bit. So, we had the PowerPoint presentation. Yay! Yep. And the former Cruiserweight champion getting destroyed in seven. Yes. Great way to make SmackDown. Absolutely, yes. Uh, <laughs> we've seen worse. Um, Daniel Bryan's about to have his first match on SmackDown. He's teaming up with Roman Reigns to go against Nakamura and Baron Corbin. So Nakamura's not teaming up with Sami Zayn. The logical answer, he's teaming up with Baron Corbin. And of course, Corbin's got a problem with Reigns because of what The Rock did. Yes, yes, indeed, yes. And with SmackDown as well, you know? Absolutely. fucking lootly I mean, you know, looking at these talent... Looking at this talent back when the podcast started, this would have been a fucking awesome match. We was hot on all four of these guys. And, yeah, well, the Hills get the advantage early on. Match breakdown, both Nakamura and Brian down. Dives, kicks. Brian gets in Nakamura in a yes lock till Corbin breaks up. Catches a Superman punch. Spear through barricade. Nine hits a knee, uh, Brian hits a knee plus for the win. I mean, what, what annoys me about it is, is that 
it's almost like WWE uh, are kind of just making program that you don't need to watch, you know, because you're going to get, like, anything that happens on SmackDown and Raw, you're going to find out at Crown Jewel anyway because the matches are going to be made. Like, there's two matches that are, are going to be interesting at Crown Jewel. And before it, so there's no need to watch anything else because nothing of note is going to happen. And AEW, yeah, it, it might have only started recently, but every match seems to matter. And every match you know, finish or what it determines or, you know, kind of wins and losses, this person's going to kind of challenge again, all this kind of stuff. You know, the kind of feuds that we had, the kind of the, the storylines in that, building towards the pay-per-view in a different way. I, I feel like I can't miss anything in AEW at the moment, but I can not be, you know, I mean, SmackDown or, or 205. I'm not going to watch that. Have I missed anything, really? The answer is no. And, and that's no. that's a problem, isn't it, you know? Yeah, um, storytelling, continuity, bringing you in, making this episode. You know, that's all part. Yeah, you may well and good smash the wrestling side of things, but nonsensical matches, It's it should be a thing of the past. You know, there's a lot that... They don't need to do, and they're kind of still backtracking in things that they do, which is absolutely pointless and ridiculous. Yeah, it is a shame. But anyway, we're on to a bit of news, and uh, last weekend, Jeff Hardy's wife, Beth, went on social media and more or less called out Matt Hardy, commenting on Jeff's most recent DWI arrest. The essence of Beth's tweet was that Elder Hardy's public expression of concern for his brother was done selfishly to paint himself in a positive light. Matt's wife, Rebby, responded to her sister-in-law defending her husband's right to talk about his brother and accusing Beth on enabling Jeff. Later, Matt would again comment retreat in response to someone in Rebby's thread. Well, the vessel of Matt Hardy said, Correct, I've been with Jeff since day one. Literally, I've been involved in a professional capacity with him for 28 years, one in which our actions affect one another. I don't need permission to address my brother, my biz, Wrestling is not important now. My brother's health is. Well, in fact, a lot of people are interested in their well-being has drawn this out in the public eye in a way it wouldn't be for most family, family struggling with addiction. All we can do is hope for the best and if you believe they have the ability to help, send supportive thoughts and prayers to the entire Hardy family. Yeah, so it's a tough time at Hardy's. At the moment, they need to stick together, not turn on each other. Uh, and now a bit of news from around the world and NJPW, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Well, at the conclusion of Mock, uh, Monday's King of Pro Wrestling, IWGP heavyweight champion, Azuchida Akada made a formal challenge to G1 Climax winner Kota Ibushi. Ibushi accepted, saying that Okada being on top all the time isn't fun anymore. Well, Ibushi plans to win the IWGP heavyweight championship from Okada on January 4th, on the first night of Wrestle Kingdom 14, and then win the IWGP Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship on the second night of Wrestle Kingdom 14 on January 5th. This year marks the first two-night Wrestle Kingdom in the history of the January 4th Tokyo show. Stone <laughs> show. Code to but again, we're trying to show someone like Will Ospreay. So I'm quite, you know, we're big fans of the success. Code to Ibushi, a guy that was on the CWC and uh, turned down a chance to, um, you know, sign for WWE. What is he doing now? He is challenging for, you know, the, the, one, of, one of the greatest championships in the world in Japan. And over two nights can make history, you know. And like I said, being the winner of the G1 Climax is a huge thing as well. And like I said, it was your pick, wasn't he, in the uh, CWC? Absolutely, yes. I always knew great things would come for Kota Ibushi. And, uh, you know, it just goes to show he's going for the heavyweight championship on the 4th. And then on the 5th, he's going for the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship. So... Absolutely, yeah, the bloke deserves it. Um, and we're going to try and bring you up. There's someone like Marty Skull as well that maybe we've not mentioned. 
that we uh, we know quite well is having great success in Ring of Honor at the moment. You know, absolutely. We've no, we've known Marty Skrull the villain since yeah, he was like Party that. Marty. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's so long. And the kind of transition, he's kind of friends with the kind of all elite guys, but decided to stick with Ring of Honor. So we're going to bring you updates with that. The cool stuff that's happening with NWA, and of course Impact Wrestling have got Bound for Glory coming up as well. So you know, there's a lot of stuff. Well, we are no longer kind of bound by one promotion since they're being dicks yeah we've decided to fuck them and just be who we want to be and talk about anything exactly. and everything we're bound for glory uh anyway on to arrivals in wwe yes twenty abansky better known on the independent scene as shotzi blackheart has signed a wwe deal and will be heading to orlando and the wwe performance center or during the evolve 137 event general manager of nxt winning regal presented blackheart with a contract in the middle of the ring, following her win. Well, the California native has been wrestling professionally since 2015 and is the current Shine Nova champion, known also by the nickname of the Ballsy Badass. Blackheart will wrestle her final indie date on November the 3rd, which is a legend's birthday, not just mine, <laughs> with Shimmer before heading to the WWE Performance Center. Okay, so on to the biggest news of the week, and Bruce Pritchard has been named the new executive director of W Friday Night Smackdown. He replaces Eric Bischoff, who was appointed to the role in late June at the same time Paul Heyman was put in charge of WWE Raw. As Heyman does and Bischoff did, Bruce Pritchard will report directly to WWE CEO and chairman Vince McMahon. The shake-up comes just two weeks after SmackDown's big move to Fox. According to a press release sent in by WWE, Pritchard will oversee the creative development of Friday Night SmackDown on Fox and ensure integration across all platforms and lines of business, replacing Eric Bischoff. Well, the announcement touts Pritchard's extensive background in character development and creative storytelling. He returned to WWE's creative team earlier this year after a lengthy hiatus from the company and has been in the wrestling business for nearly four decades. WWE has since confirmed is no longer with the company, which is unfortunate since he and his wife recently moved from Wyoming to Connecticut for the executive director job. Additional details are available regarding Eric Bischoff's departure from WWE. Dave Meltzer, the dick, reports that for his crappy website that the news was not a shock to those familiar with Bischoff's role in WWE. Well, yeah, Pritchard and Ed Kosky will be the main people in charge of the show going forward. Ironically, Bischoff was really on the recommendation of Pritchard. The two had been working together on the show. Well, it's an unfortunate situation. Situation. Due to Bischoff accepting the job and, like I said, moving everything in the world. Well, wrestling journalist Tom Colhue provided these details after reaching out to a source of Fox. Yeah, and he said this about Bischoff. Significant promises were made that we don't feel were upheld. The source also went to say that there are concerns about undisclosed personnel changes by the WWE. Well, in a brief statement posted on Twitter, Eric Bischoff commented on the situation. Situation. He wrote, Bruce is a great producer, good friend, and I'm certain he's going to thrive in his position. He's going to be working with a great team of the most dedicated and hardworking people I've ever had the pleasure of working with and getting to know. But could this be to do with comments Bischoff made just a week ago? The former Nitro executive producer admitted on the latest episodes of his 83 Weeks podcast that he has checked out All Elite Wrestling's new show AEW Dynamite in its first two weeks on TNT. The show has dominated NXT on the USA in the ratings and Bischoff noted that the thing that's given Dynamite the edge so far is how lively the crowds have been. Well, I think the takeaway for me, the biggest thing that I saw and I liked was the crowd, Bischoff said. I've always believed that the crowd, you know, if there's two women or two guys in a match with a referee as a third person in the ring, 
The full person is the audience. They're as much as a show as anyone, in my opinion. I think I saw Wednesday night from AEW as a crowd that was intensely engaged in the product, in the ring, and in the show. So, from that, I can see that Eric Bischoff will be joining the AEW <laughs> creative team sometime in the very near future. I mean, it is just set up for him there, isn't it? You know, uh, I mean, obviously, he didn't get fired because of these comments. You know, ratings were down, and he was kind of the sacrificial lamb. But the Eric Bischoff experiment, he wasn't given creative control like Heyman has been. And it was kind of just put there to take the hit, I think. The Bischoff thing didn't work. What are your thoughts on the whole the whole thing? I don't think he had enough time. I think Bischoff, he, he can work magic, but he's nothing compared to Paul Heyman. So, yeah, you know, Bruce Pritchard, maybe he'll uh, get things done a bit better. Right, down. Uh, Ratings-wise, and that's what's been spoken about as well, Dynamite drew 1.4 million... Uh, sorry, 1.01 million, just over a million viewers. The first episode got 1.4, uh, which still beat out NXT, which dropped down to 720,000 viewers. Uh, so I don't think there's anything to worry about just yet. Uh, but again, a very interesting week in professional wrestling. It's a shame about Eric Bischoff, because I do like Bischoff, don't get me wrong. Uh, but things change, and it just shows that Vince Man's still in control. SmackDown was no different to has been, maybe even a little bit worse as well. Um, anything else about news, Dan? Uh, well, you know, just the uh, rumours that CM Punk may be joining WWE again. And James... What that smug smile off your face because it's not quite in that capacity. Apparently, he might be joining with Fox Sports as a kind of backstage announcer and talking about things. But he like seems that. he seems to have thawed a little bit more recently. He's talking about WWE and kind of being more open as well, hasn't he? So if there is a time for Punk to make that connection, and it might not happen now, but like I said, maybe a a few years down. I mean, if, if people like fucking Hogan and Ric Flair keep coming back, then Punk's got another 30 years to, to still come back. Do you know what I mean? So Absolutely, yes. And I urge you to watch uh, CM Punk's new film, The Woman on the Full Floor, I think it is. Oh, right. I watched a trailer for it. It is actually quite interesting. It's a horror-style film um, about a couple that buy a new house and while they're renovating it, strange things start happening and they get warned to leave the house and never go back. Oh, and, it is uh, quite interesting, and seeing CM Punk uh, on screen, it's uh, it's always going to be good as well. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. So that is it for news, and up next we continue the Dubbin' R250 celebration. Well, last time out we had picked the top 50, but in no particular order. Before that, something we have never done before. Listening back and picking out our top five moments. We get some honourable mentions. Well, just the one, I think the main honourable mention should be said was AJ Styles' debut uh, which was the Rumble 2006. The the audio quality on it is is not great. And uh, Jarrah's involved in it as well, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, so that kind of took away from it. Right, so the first time ever. This is what we're doing for the first time ever on the 250th episode. We're going to go back our top five moments. So Dan, why don't you start us off with uh, number five, or maybe no particular order for them, but just a moment that uh, you are reminded of. Uh, well, Goldberg returning to wrestling at Survivor Series 2016 was a, a great night for me. As you know, I'm a huge Goldberg fan. And uh, just seeing him back in the ring again made certain parts of my body hard. Yeah, And let's have a listen. And of course, he looks in brilliant shape as he's walking from the back. But maybe Lesnar likes that. Is Le- Well, yeah, Lesnar seems like he's got a challenge and a spear from Goldberg. Fucking hell. That was quick off the Brock, Brock's, Blocks. Well, Lesnar's down. Second. And Fucking oh. hell. Well, Lesnar. Two spears. Well, Lesnar's down. He might be injured. His ribs might have just 
be broken. Lesnar hasn't even got out of the blocks here. We're not even a minute into this match yet, and Heyman pleading with Goldberg. Don't get distracted, Bill. Don't get distracted. What the fuck is going on? Lesnar's in trouble. And the crowd are chanting Goldberg. <laughs> Brock Lesnar's stun, so are we. Come on, Brock. <clears throat> is he going to load him up? No, he's not. He's got him loaded. If he gets him up... Jackhammer! Yeah, the jackhammer. Jackhammer! Boom! No. <laughs> Two. <laughs> three! You can see how excited you were in that clip. And, of course, Goldberg beating Brock Lesnar in uh, record time as well. And it would lead to Goldberg continuing. Do you think that was a success for Bill Goldberg uh, returning and what happened since then? Absolutely, yeah. You know, he's had uh, he had a great run. It kind of didn't end so well with his running with uh, Undertaker. But, you know, we, we gloss over that because for the best part, it was good. Yeah, he kind of made it up a little bit with Ziggler at SummerSlam. Uh, but our next moment, and oh, well, one of my favourite moments of all time, and it's a WNR 88. Uh, it's TakeOver San Antonio 2017. And uh, I'm going to call it a glorious night. And let's just have a listen to what happened. Ooh, Nakamura's tuning up the band. He hears and Rude's in the middle of the ring. But he's not getting up. Is he playing possum? He, but he might be. That's an excellent point. That's what Rude's doing at the moment. Or is he's, he just knocked the fuck out? No, he's playing possum, man. That's what he's doing. Rude knows this. He knows Nakamura likes to hit the Kinshasa in the corner. Rude's, yeah, playing dead weight. Oh, there we go. Rude rolls him up. Two. Oh, but Nakamura kicking out. Oh, Nakamura missed the kick, though. Oh. Double knees to the back. A huge backstabber and out of pin. Two. Oh, but Nakamura managing to kick out. <sighs> Rude getting <sighs> close. Again, changing the momentum just like that. But Nakamura showing how tough he is. But I always get the shoulder up as well. I mean, the NXT title means... Everything to Nakamura. I think it means everything to Bobby Roode. That's what makes this match so special. It means everything to me as well, James. I <laughs> don't think you understand. Oh, God. Now Roode calling for glorious, going for the DDT. Oh, no. Nakamura turning him inside out, though, and getting the knees to the midsection in the back of the head. Oh. oh. Big spine buster, though. Roode's going to get it. Oh. oh. But only a two count. Come on, my son. Now, how Bobby Root, How is Bobby Roode going to take out Nakamura? He's not. Nakamura's still in... Still fighting in this. Nakamura. Bobby Roode. Nakamura. Come on, Bobby Roode. Come on, Nakamura. Well, Roode puts him on the top rope again. So you look for a superplex or a move like that. Oh. Oh, big chop to the chest. That's going to leave a mark. And now they're in a bad situation. He's going to try and finish him with a superplex. No, Nakamura's fighting it, though. Koshinsuke. Oh, no, Rude. Don't get him up. Come on, Nakamura. Fight out. Oh, but Bobby Rude, though, still fighting up. Using, trying to use all his strength, but gets face-planted by Nakamura from the second rope. And now Nakamura, second rope himself. Come on, Shinsuke. Oh, big kick to the chest. Oh, there we go. Set up to the Kinshasa. Come on. Rude's in trouble. This is it. I'm done with. Kinshasa. Oh. oh. Rude gets both his feet up. He's rolls got up the Nakamura. Ropes. Oh, no. Referee catches him. Oh, come on, ref. 
Oh, he's going to get the kick of the shark. Naughty boy. He's going to get a foot to the face when he turns round. Uh, Rude needs to concentrate on Nakamura. No. Bobby Rude's so close. Oh, kick to Nakamura's midsection. And now, big right hands in the corner, but Nakamura. And he's defending himself. I know. It's gone a little bit slow now. I'm panicking. Nakamura taking the chops. But is that working up, Nakamura? That's just going to piss him off. I think he's playing possum. Oh, I think he is as well. Look, Rude thinks he's down, but don't play Nakamura's mind games. And he just stands up with a big grin on his face. Invites Rude to come on. <laughs> well, Nakamura going crazy. Big knees and big kicks. Dropping Rude. <laughs> look at that. He is. He's just completely showing Rude up. And he's kicking the crap out of him with the knees and everything. Kicks to the back of the head. Bouncing his head off the mat. Oh, come on, Nakamura. The referee's trying to get in between. Yeah, he gets his head kicked as well. Oh, oh there you go. Trying to fight out, but Nakamura rolling him up in a really impressive way, trying to get oh. Rude locking his hands, veteran-like, trying to stop Nakamura getting the move on. He is holding it. If Nakamura can break it, can we turn it into a pin maybe? No. Oh, triangle chokehold, though, by Nakamura. This and- could certainly finish it. And Nakamura's got Rude. You better not tap out and pin at the same fucking time. That would really piss me off. And Rude calls it as he sees it. Rude's going for the pin. Has he got him? Oh, trying to power up Nakamura. Oh, but Nakamura, though, falling. Oh, oh my God. Rude nearly... Sunset flip. Rude nearly broke his leg. Boom. Oh, King Shasha. King Shasha to the head of Rude. That's it. That man is fast asleep. One, two. Oh! oh. <laughs> hey. Bobby Roode managing to kick out. Uh, well, it look at his neck then. Fucking hell yeah. <laughs> but somehow managing, and now Nakamura is going to just finish Roode off. With Bless a, him, he did try though. He did. Second rope, Kinshasa. Roode is, well, don't look behind you. Nakamura's there. Oh... Rude, is he playing his little possum trick again? No, oh. I think Bobby Rude's seriously injured. He's gone to the outside. That won't stop Nakamura, though. Just trying to get his uh, bearings back, and Nakamura just scouting Rude. Heads up, Rude. Pow! Oh, my God! Oh! Oh, no. Both men fall to the outside now. Nakamura looks like he's seriously injured his leg. I think he might have actually injured it on Rude's jaw. <laughs> yeah, I think Rude's head is taking a beating unlike anything tonight. And uh, Rude is in serious trouble now. Nakamura's on the outside. Got to watch referee's count. Uh, by the sound of it, I think it's 10. <laughs> and Nakamura trying to get up the leg. And Nakamura's such a fighting champion. Wants to get Bobby Rude back in there. He doesn't want to win it on the outside. It's not the way Nakamura does things. And he just wants a clean finish. And Nakamura now... <laughs> Trying to shake some life back into his leg. Well, one Kinshasa and it will end things now for Bobby Roode. But has Roode had enough time to recuperate? No, this is it now. Over and done with. Nakamura Kinshasa. Boom! Catches it right on the money, but Nakamura unable to capitalise. He's at himself. Oh, Bobby Roode goes flying near the rope as well. That might save him. And the punishment Bobby Roode is taking in this match. You've got to have any respect for him, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rude is seeing stars. If Nakamura can get up and just any hand on Rude, he just he's needs to put fingers on him. Yeah, but the leg, like we say, the neck and the leg tonight for Nakamura has caused him some trouble. 
Uh, and we're getting to the, the, the you know the ninth inning now, the ninetieth minute. This this is do or die this time. This is the bottom of the ninth. Exactly for either man, whatever happens. And Nakamura trying to get up, and the doctors oh. don't you fucking dare, medic. But then again, if Nakamura can't continue, does Rude win? No, uh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the doctor out here, referees check for Rude and. Uh, Nakamura. Now, I, I don't know if it was a serious injury. Do you know what I mean? As in, but I didn't see the referee calling it in ring. So maybe this is planned. Like this is. I said there'll be shenanigans, Dan. I did say there'll be shenanigans at well, the end. Well, by of this. Nakamura though. No, well Nakamura. You know what I mean? Yeah. The doctor, if Rude was to win it now, with Nakamura injured, but now Nakamura's going to hit Kinshasa, and that'll be it. But he wants to fight. He wants to show his toughness. He wants to finish it here. But the problem is, Bobby Rude. How much time has he had to recover, Dan? Well, exactly that. Well, you know, we're trying to figure out what they're going to call this as here. You know, it's... If it's a legitimate injury, they won't let Nakamura fight. But again, if it's storyline... They'll let him get back in the ring to continue. Yeah. Then it leaves it open for Bobby Roode to beat him because Nakamura's injured. Yeah, unless Nakamura gets a surprise victory anyway and it's like, well, he's fucked up and he still beat Bobby Roode. Yeah. Nakamura crawling to get back into the ring. And look at Bobby Roode now. Oh, Nakamura picks him up. Glorious DDT. One, two. Oh! oh. Nakamura managing to kick out. Fuck. <sighs> ah. And Bobby Roode looks at Nakamura like he's just walked through fire because he's just kicked out <laughs> after being injured. And Bobby Roode can't believe it. And now this opens it up to anything. It does indeed. I mean, you know, Bobby Roode's hit Nakamura with all he's got, managing to kick out still. Uh, well, you asked me when I was going to lose my hair. I think tonight I've started pulling it out already. What's Bobby Roode? What's he? Don't get caught in like a... Oh, he's going for the uh, half Boston. And he's got Nakamura in the middle of the ring. We know how much pain Nakamura's in. Punching at the knee. No, he's not going to give Referee. him a pass out. Referee might call it here. No. Nakamura desperately trying to get to the rope. He's going to get there, isn't he? Look at Bobby Roode punching away. Referee just call it. Think of the children. To the ropes, Nash. Naki got to the ropes. To the ropes. Get there. He's got there, isn't he? And oh, Roode. Dragging him back to the middle of the ropes. Is that Albert on the outside? Yeah, it is Matt Bloom. One of the trainers at NXT's come out. Rolls and through and Nakamura kicking the head of Roode. Oh, he's got him in a triangle. And this is one act of desperation. Now Nakamura trying to put Rude out. But look at that. And the knee. Big punch of the knee. And yeah. Well, the knee's in serious trouble. Another DDT now. Oh. Hits it. Rude going for the cover. One, two, three. Bobby Rude has become the NXT champion. Tonight, destiny is made. And Bobby Rude has done it. fucking glorious and for the first time ever James gets a perfect score and Bobby Roode is NXT champion Dan it doesn't get any bigger or better than this can you believe it you're speechless Uh, no I don't believe it (laughs) I don't think I've ever had so much emotion in my voice than I did at that point in time you know Uh, it was a fantastic night and not just because like you know as we heard I got a perfect score and um, and for beat you, but Rude winning that was kind of like the best moment in NXT for me. It might be it was a great time, wasn't it? You know, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, 
It was probably your most emotional <laughs> night. And that was uh, that was just after my most emotional night when uh, Randy Orton wins the 2017 Royal Rumble at WNR 87, uh, which was uh, a, a very orgasmic moment for me. Yeah, as I listen to that. Jericho's uh, longest in the Rumble. He's going to have to be. He is, yeah. Jericho's got Takelos eliminated a few men, though. He's eliminated Zane. He eliminated Undertaker's on four now. Oh, is he going to eliminate Jericho as well? Oh, my God. Chokeslam to Y2J. And Jericho's made a full hour now, I feel. I think that's what they just said. And the Undertaker's signaling for rest in peace. Tombstone. Roman Reigns eliminates Undertaker. Oh, my God. Undertaker sits up. And just stares at Reigns. Is this the final four? Is this Reigns' biggest mistake that he's made? Undertaker's gone. What shock. Oh, you saw what he done to that um, rookie that eliminated him from the Royal Rumble in <laughs> yeah. 2002. Yeah. <laughs> what he did to Maven's going to happen Maven. to Reigns, yeah. <clears throat> uh, is this the final four? Let me have a look around. I can't see anybody else in the ring at the moment. Yes, I guess. I've got one in the final four. Who is that? Y2J. I have got no one in the final four. Still draw the rumble as well. Yeah. And Roman Reigns finally getting his hands on Jericho. No, he's saying this is for everything. He's going to finally eliminate him over the top. Oh, Jericho holding on though. Oh no, now it's going to come to Superman an end. Superman punch. Oh no, but Roman Reigns runs into a big right hand from Jericho. Jericho to the top. Superman punch. Oh. And Jericho is out of here. Jericho's got it's Reigns, Orton and, and Bray. Bray. This is the final three that was at Survivor <laughs> Series as well. Your pick, Randy Orton, still in it. He is indeed. Now Reigns facing it, and look at the Reigns. He's, he's driven the Rumble as well. <laughs> Losing the title last year at the Rumble. Two former winners. And Bray Wyatt. My God, Reigns against all odds. If you'll ask me, this final three I would never have said. Oh, and the Wyatt's taken out the one member of the Shield. But I said Orton's going to sacrifice himself for Bray. Bray's going to win the Rumble, sacrificing himself for Orton. It can't be a scene of Orton match at WrestleMania. Fuck that noise. Are they playing with Roman Reigns? They see Bray, Suspension DDT. Bray calling Orton, telling Orton what to do. Pow, right in Roman's kisser. Huge DDT and now Bray Wyatt. Got to look for Sister Abigail. He's going to try and turn Roman down first. And Reigns now. Okay, I know where to Bray. Serious After trouble. Hit Sister Abigail. Oh. Sister Abigail to Orton. Oh no, Reigns fighting out. Superman punch to Bray. Superman, Superman punch. punch to Orton. Superman punch to Orton. Bray is going over oh, the top. Bray has been eliminated by Roman. And now on, it's your pick, Come Randy Orton. Hear voices, my son. You Hear voices. said Randy Orton, Dan. Spin. Boom. RKO. Throw him out. Oh, yes. 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 <laughs> I hear voices. <laughs> Unbelievable. And like I say, Dan, you absolutely mental with Randy Orton winning. Uh, I can't believe it. It's such a long time ago, but it doesn't feel that long ago, does it? You know, when you think. Absolutely not. No, it's, you know, it's just a short two and a half years ago now. But I think that's probably, I mean, you talk about great weekends and every weekend is a great weekend on the WNR podcast. But especially with those two events back to back, it it was kind of really, really special then. Uh, The next moment... Well, it begins, and it's Bait versus Dunn. It's the WNR 104, and it's Kofi Chicago, May 2017, in a match of the night candidate. Pete Dunn up. Oh, he's got him. Boom. Oh. Slams him to the mat. 
Well, that is credit there to Tyler Bates, especially with the arm being worked on the majority of the match. Fans finally getting behind it. Come on, Chicago. It's what it's all about now. So, Tyler Driver, Knight, it's a better end. What's the better finishing move? I do like the Tyler Driver, but I'm going to go with the bitter end. If Dunn can hit that, it will be over tonight. But Tyler Bates not going to let him because he's going to go for the airplane spin. Well, we see it come unstuck against Andrews. Can he manage to hit it off against Dunn? Well, Dunn's a bigger man as well, so it's more muscle to hold, isn't it? More fat. Trying to fight out, but I think he's just going with it now. Oh, my God, man. Can we feel dizzy? He must have gone round. Well, he's gone round over 20 times Fucking now. Fucking hell. <laughs> he's going fast as well. Uh, round the fans are up on their feet as well. Oh, oh. just chucks Pete, <laughs> Pete Dunn off. Stumbles his way to a cover. Oh. Oh. But Dunn managing to kick out. Uh, that was funny. Because <laughs> the fans didn't, couldn't believe... I couldn't believe how long he went for. I couldn't believe how fast he was yeah, going. Yeah, I know. He was fucking sure He was going to take off. Couldn't keep Dunn down, though. He might be dizzy, but he did manage to kick out. Oh. Uh. You got Tyler Bate doing that in one corner. You got the Cesaro swing going on in the middle of the ring. And now Bate gets to his feet. And he's going to, of course, look for the Tyler driver. Try and get this done early. Mark's off in face. No, so he's going to go for the German suplex now. Oh, you talked about power earlier. Oh, Ooh. but Pete Dunn manages to flip out. Fant- uh, fantastic agility there. Tyler Bate there with a springboard off the second rope, trying to take Dunn out. <laughs> but gets caught with a big forearm. And he's going now for the suplex. Oh, oh fucking hell. <laughs> That's it. Go for the pin. One, two. Oh. And I honestly can't believe that. And look, go on, Dan. The fans are certainly showing their respect to this match. I mean, you know, it might be a bit new to fans. They've not seen much of the UK tournament, but they're going to certainly love it after this. This is what the British guys are all about. And this is something we're talking about as well. You know, ironically, in progress, Pete Dunne, Trent Seven and um, Tyler Bate are a part of a group that are friends. So to manage, imagine in this stage, the biggest stage of your career, having a match with someone that you can trust and you know will give you the best opportunity out there as well. And this is what we're seeing now. In front of this crowd, of the both men can't get to their feet and exchanging. Well, they're working their way to their feet, exchanging <laughs> lefts and rights, and both yeah. men are just having a big slugfest. This is fucking brilliant. It's like a fucking boxing match. <laughs> I, mean, I think Bate... Getting the better of the bruiser weight, which is quite a surprise. Oh, oh lifts up his right <laughs> hand and delivers a lovely southpaw shot, knocking <laughs> Pete Dunn off his feet. But again, you know, we see him having a technical match against Mandrews, and now he's having a just a slugfest against Dunn. Well, lucky Jay's on commentary because it is, like you say, a slobber knocker as Dunn now. Oh, lovely step up in Seguri there, takes Bate off his feet. Working the way back up to the feet. Uh, who can get the offensive move first? Oh, hey! <laughs> <laughs> the both men hitting lefts and rights at exactly the same time. Oh, he hit the big hill kick. But, oh, sent down into the ropes for the clothesline. Oh. Oh. <laughs> the way Bate comes off of that ring rope and then just hits a lovely lariat. I mean, that is just beautiful. Well, Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn. Oh, Fantastic. I love it. I love it. Both men scrawled over, crawled over the other. Oh, look at that. I want Tyler Bate to win this one now. <laughs> if Tyler Bate were to retain, was to retain, I wouldn't have a problem. As long as it's yeah. a great match. It's like the DIY uh, Authors of Pain. Like, whoever wins that, I don't care. It's going to be a great match, isn't it? But this match, we said it started off slow. People listening say, no, it won't get any better. And look at it now. And like you say, it's a completely different match to the one that 
each man had on the UK special as well, isn't yeah. it? You know? And again, you know, it's it's another match in the UK tournament. From this point, you can't quite tell who's got the advantage, which way it's going to go. You know, it's just keeping it all up in the air. Yeah, it's been a worthy addition to the TakeOver card. Anybody were questioning it, now you can see how good it is. Is uh, Tyler Bate now? Tyler Driver 97, no. Oh, done with the backslide. This is a bit of rent. Oh, oh, fucking hell. But Tyler Bate <laughs> turns it into a lovely spike DDT there. <laughs> Both men have got each other really well scouted. Yeah, it's brilliant. You can see, that, like you say, the, scout, the, the chemistry as well in this match has done rolls to the outside because I think he would have been pinned in that situation. And what is Bate going to do now? Here he goes to the outside. Jumps over the top rope, springboard. Oh, oh lovely moonsault there and just hits all of Pete Dunne. And this could be it now as he throws him in. And he goes to the top unless Pete Dunne manages But don't want to ruin it. Here we go. Bait off the top. Oh, oh for fuck's sake. Corkscrew splash. Onto Dunn. Oh. <laughs> it's been a long time since I saw someone do that. <laughs> hey. 20 years old. 20 years old. Tyler exactly Bate. That. Looks like he's got quite a fucking bad trapezius tear, though. <sighs> And he just killed Pete Dunn. <laughs> he did. And again, I like the intelligence of him rolling outside the ring and the fans certainly appreciating this with a big yes, 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 indeed. And, and a perfect point as well, because this is the thing. In a normal match, you know, someone just kicking out all the time, close, oh. close near falls or something like this. It, it makes more sense that they actually go to the outside rather than, than that, if you think about it, as now... He's not finished yet, is he? Is he, he going to go for a suicide dive? <laughs> it looks like that. Uh, he's going to go stat ding. Oh, 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 fuck. But Dunn manages to move out the way. Well, young... Throws cha- bait back into the ring. Young champion, maybe one mistake too many. Go on, Dan, call it. Could this be the bitter end? Yeah. Hits it. Here we go. Go for the cover. One, two, two three. three. <laughs> and after a fucking amazing match between these two. I mean, I don't know how the show's going to top it. We have a new United Kingdom champion. Well, uh, unbelievable. You know, we don't want to sound smug, but we have said very long time that the UK title match, Dan's smug face, a very long time that the UK match would indeed steal the show and be a great match. Uh, and, and it's delivered, Dan, hasn't it, you know? It has delivered, yes. I mean, it's been unbelievable. And I mean, at that point in time, I mean, we were just enjoying how great the match was. But, I mean, we had no idea what it would go on to, you know what I mean? Like, it was crazy at that time. I think in May 2017, Dunn would then go on to have this kind of enormous reign. And Tyler Bate would be a huge fan favourite in ourselves as well. Absolutely, yeah, and... Uh... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was a short while later, but a couple of years later is our next moment, and it ends. And that is Walter versus Dunn, WNR 215, NXT, New York, April 2019. Dunn got the arm again, and just strikes to the face of Dunn. And he's still got hold of the hand. Relentless. Showing how tenacious he is. Better end, no, no. Walter blocks. And takes Dan's head <laughs> off with a huge clothesline. Oh, runs into a forearm by Dunn. Clothesline down. Now he's going to go for it. Bitter end. 
It, it goes for your cover. One, two. Oh. oh. Whoa, imagine a kick out. Oh. I can't stand no more. I don't cannot believe it. And neither can we. This is not over yet. Walt's got a far away look in his eyes. Pete Dunn's just got his stomach look in his eyes. Both men staring each other in the eye, trying to make their way to a vertical base. Oh, we're deep now in the twelfth round. I mean, the next big shot is going to end things here. It's the bottom of the ninth. <laughs> All bases are loaded. And just like we started face to face. Striking and slaps. How much more can Pete Dunn's chest take? <laughs> oh, and that fire's done up. That woke him up. And it just each man just giving their best shot. And Pete Dunn just taking the chops, fighting back with everything he's got. And done now everything. They said empty in the tank. Oh Having my god. to get pulled god. off by the referee. Oh! Walks into a big boot from Walter. And Walt with a boot and now looking to go up. Pete Dunn meeting Walter up on the top turnbuckle. And he's got the hand. And Dunn is up there and this is, t this is bad for Walter. It could be worse for Dunn though. He gets powered out of a huge super power bomb. Now he's going to try and get the arm. Oh my god, he's got the arm of Walter trying to fight it. Slapping away at the chest of Dan. Oh, power bomb off the top. No. And now Walter's got Dan. Oh! Huge power bomb off the top. Oh my Christ. And Walter's going all the way up. Splash. Splash! Goes for the cover. One, two, three. And we've got a new NXT UK champion. And and I'm not going to glow. I'm not going to do that. If anything, Pete Dunn's title reign is over. But I, I can't, I'm, I'm physically kind of... I don't know. Uh, it was everything I wanted and more. But you didn't want it. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't want it to end. Uh, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on the match then? I thought it was a very bloody good match. Pete Dunne, again, you know, he gave everything he had. And maybe on a different day, he might have been successful. I mean, what a great match that was, as we've just heard. And you can even hear the shock in our voices about, you know, it, the rain actually being over. And I think uh, Walter since then has kind of continued the, the UK total rain and has been a champion. But uh, Pete Dunne, I think, has, uh, has been a step apart. And that's just five moments from the podcast, like we say, that we've picked out. And there's plenty more like in the highlight video as well. We've, of course, we've got the most ridiculous moments in there. All our Christmas specials that we do. And our next episode, of course, is going to be Halloween special. And that's what we're always going to try uh, and bring there. Uh, like I said, some great memories. But after 250 episodes, we have seen some of the worst wrestlers and most annoying super... I mean, Dan, I know you've got a, a list as long as your arm... But let's just try and kind of break it down to maybe the, the top, well, the bottom five worst wrestlers that we've seen. Well, we've had, you know, somewhat of a debate about this. And, you know, my list, again, it was so long, but 
because we was only doing five, I could have done 55. Yeah. But, you know, I've had to really think about this. And, uh, yeah, shall we? Well, this is the thing, because we've got honourable mentions, of course. But I think we'll start off with uh, kind of each one and then talk about the kind of cons and cons. And I, But I think one of them on the list has got a pro. And that one is Adam Cole. So we'll start off with Adam Cole because when he first debuted, you hated his fucking guts. Absolutely, yeah. Um, he he just irritated the fuck out of me. He seemed, I don't know, too cocky, and not and, and that's not in a good character way as well. It was just he was just a dick, and every mold in always ended with shenanigans. Yeah, and it was kind of like it was just a build up. People called him the next Shawn Michaels as well. Which kind of got in your goat, like it'd be the first Adam Cole, and I think since then with performances in ring uh, and what he's been doing, I think Cole is someone that you you got to begrudgingly kind of not like as such, but there's not hatred as much anymore, is there? I don't hate him as much as I have started. You know, he's still an irritating prick, but he kind of warm my cold dark heart. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So I I think from that. Cole should be fifth, as in, like, the kind of least... Top of the bottom. Top of the bottom, the least yeah. hated one on the list. Uh, and then we're going to go on to... Uh, well, I'll go on to my one, because I've only had really... I mean, there's a few people I've had problems with for that time, but there's one that I've kind of hated since the start, and that being Mojo Rawley. But I think the thing that's helped me out a lot is the fact he's only had one significant moment in our five years of doing a podcast, which would be winning the Andre Giant Rory Battle Royal thanks in part to the Gronk. Uh, since then, I don't watch main event, so I don't care what he does. So he's kind of, he's nothing, you know? And and I think for me, I could have him maybe fourth because it's not, I don't get annoyed because I don't see him, you know? Yeah. I, he's not going to be on AEW, any, you know? He's not going to be doing stuff like this. And he, he's going to spend the next four and a half years because he has signed a five-year yeah. contract. He's going to spend the next four and a half years dwindling around, you know? We might see him on a, Raw or SmackDown when two wrestlers get into a heated argument and he comes in to break them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah Or, yeah. you know, wrestling on main event and he probably won't even be in the main event on main event. Yeah. Uh, uh, next up, I think we should talk about another insignificant wrestler and that being Mike Kanellis. Mike Kanellis, again, it's it's not only his on-screen persona and his lack of talent, but, if, you know, there's a lot of people like him and like what he does. But I have... No enjoyment in anything that he can do in the ring. Out of the ring, posting his stupid twatty post as well. I sent you a screenshot of a of a letter where he's asked for his release. Let him fucking go. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, luckily enough, he doesn't wrestle that much on <laughs> yeah. television. So, you know, it's, it is a good point. You know, we haven't seen him on a pay-per-view, I yeah. don't think. WWE's not treating him like a star. Uh, he doesn't want to be in WWE. So at this moment with insignificance as well, I feel, yeah, he is he's hated by most, but that's why he should be third on the list because I think you dislike dislike Canellis more than I dislike Mojo, if that's possible. Uh, so I think it breaks it down to the next two people, and that is a toss-up. But I think maybe he should be second on the list just because they actually did lose their jobs in WWE. Enzo and Big Cass are going to put them together... Uh, but you can argue, but I think it's better to have a kind of shitball together than it would be to have separate. Absolutely, yeah. Um, they are a pair of irritating cunts, and 
from the fucking moment I first heard their stupid fucking bunch of catchphrases to, you know, all the fuck-ups they've done in the ring. I mean, I jumped on this bandwagon from day one. You know, it wasn't just a thing, oh, you know, they're in. I, I hated them from the moment I fucking saw them in NXT. Yeah, you did. You, you know, did. I, I can't argue. I can't argue. Your hatred for them came, and everybody was going, oh, come on, they're quite entertaining. And you know, the guy's a cunt. And you stuck with that throughout the time where, and I mean, you had to endure his cruiserweight total reign uh, when he was the kind of face of 205 Live as well. Uh, beating Neville, for God's sake, you know, like those kind of times. So it was hard. And it's a big cast being put in a, in a pay-per-view match with Daniel Bryan, uh, you know. But the good news is, is that they got found out. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Enzo, he was the worst worker, from again, from day one. I noticed that Enzo would be the person that got beaten up in the fucking ring, get a hot tag to Big Cass, who then got beaten. You know, they didn't win any main titles on the main roster, apart from Enzo's disastrous fucking 205 Live run. Um, you, you know, and... Again, like, and then everyone jumping on the bandwagon when it gets found out that he sexually assaulted someone and he has no fucking talent in the ring, which was also called out by a former vaudevillian. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Simon Gotch. I mean, there's a brilliant fucking rant that he does on Enzo Moore. I absolutely fucking love it. I've seen it loads and loads of times. Um, but if you haven't seen it, I'll suggest you check it out because... It just highlights everything I've said about Enzo from day one. Mm. Uh, I mean, and, and what's important as well is like recent rumours about, oh, maybe they're going to resign. And then WWE actually came out and made a statement saying, no, we're not. And you've got to, you know, that shows kind of what people you're dealing with when WWE are flatly refusing it because they don't want to be linked with any of those rumours as well. So that means number one and the most hated, because I wouldn't say worse, because some of those matches I do enjoy, but very rarely do we agree on a podcast over 250 episodes when it comes to something we like. When it's something we hate, sometimes we, we never agree. This is one thing we've agreed on. Absolutely, yes. And again, from day one, since I saw his flip-flop wearing fucking entrance and flicking off his fucking flip-flops, annoying fucking bro, bro. And, you know, I've not got a problem with someone being a stoner, but, you know, when it's a kid's watching thingy and, they're, you know, children are very easily influenced... And someone who openly admits he's a stoner, I'm, I'm an ex-stoner. You know, I have no problem with people smoking weed, whatever people do. But, you know, it's kind of something that you don't want to highlight when you're a professional athlete because people are so impressionable. Mm. It's everything, oh, it's bro this, bro mission, bro punch, bro <laughs> kick, bro fuck off. Yeah. You irritating, mushroom-sided, fucking twatting, tattoo cunt. Yeah, uh, and I agree with that. And even that kind of the, the arsehole behaviour of thinking that he's in developmental, having a go at people like Goldberg and Lesnar, even if it's trying to set up a match, bro. And, and it's just not. You're not as good as you think you are. You have to start from the bottom, work your way up. Yeah, there's no doubt in that you've got talent, but loads of wrestlers have got talent that are not in your position. And you've been given a lot of stuff in NXT. And it, you you know, you've came from UFC. That's your bread and butter. And that's why you're getting some of this fucking 
airtime as well. You have to respect the professional wrestling business. And to keep going with that same thing, this is what annoyed me about Mojo Rawley, the kind of stay-hyped character, and this is the kind of broker. You're a one-note type of dude. There is nothing else about you, you know? And that's the reason why I fucking hate you, because every time I see you, I know what I'm going to get. And you need to kind of change it up. I mean, I would put Shania Basler could have been added to kind of the most hated list as it was. But I think when you look at what, she, you know, the kind of what she's done, and how much of a fan I was at the start. Riddle was a guy that, from the beginning, we both looked at and said, you've got to prove something to us, and he just hasn't yet, because he's kind of just, he's an asshole, and I can't get behind that. Maybe as a hill it would work, but when he comes down the face, I hate the barefoot as well. You know, there's lots of things that put together makes him the most hated and the worst wrestler that we've seen on the podcast history. And obviously, there's loads of honourable mentions. There's loads of shit that we have seen, but these are the five guys that are kind of stuck out in the history, if you know Irritated what I mean. Irritated the fuck out of us, yeah. yeah. And I think that's fine. So we've got our bottom five listed. And I mean, that's cool. Sorted out. So number five was, of course, Adam Cole. Because he's kind of thawed from us now, isn't he? You know? He has, yeah. You know, I still think he's an irritating cunt. But he's an irica- irritating cunt with some talent. Exactly. Number four was Mojo Rawley because he is nothing now as well. He doesn't. He, he's not even on the radar in wrestling. We haven't had to... Uh, Endure him on any pay-per-views. He might be in, like, the Saudi Arabia fucking Battle Royal once in a blue moon. But, but I'm not watching it, so I don't care. Exactly, you know? yep. Is that the same as Mike Kanellis as well, you know? Just completely useless. Again, you know, he's someone that thinks he's more than he is and thinks he deserves and thinks holding WWE at ransom is going to get him a fucking title shot. No, it's going to get you released, you fucking prick. Number two, like the shit that they are, Enzo and Big Cass. Absolutely, yeah. You know, someone from day one I've hated and my hate just grew for this pair of irritating cunts. And number one, the, uh, or, or Brumba one, would it be? Uh, Broby one. It's Matt Riddle, who is the most hated and worst wrestler on the WNR podcast. Yes, well done. You've finally achieved number one status that you believe you are. You annoying twat. Exactly. Okay, so after going through that, and like I said, a lot of uh, hate and venom there for wrestlers, but we got a lot of love as well, and we've seen a lot of great wrestling over 250 episodes, and that's why we decided to come up with the top 50 wrestlers began based on a, a couple of, well, based on quite a few facts, weren't there, Dan, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, it is, it is since the podcast started on uh, May the 4th, 2015 yeah and we're basing it on kind of like success that they've had since then what the impact they've had on the podcast uh kind of obviously their talent as well and uh lots of other things you know building up every single it. factor you know it yeah. could be a, a personal connection that we might have had with a, a wrestler or six yeah exactly not xbox uh but of course we last week we came up well, last time out, we came up with uh, a 50 superstars to get on the list. But now we've got the complete order. So we have got the best wrestler since the podcast began. But, of course, what order is it going to be in? We now start on the top 50 for the WNR 250. And at 50, it is a personal collection to me. It's a Scottish supernova. No. He does impress us both. He is a very talented worker, but... He's not done enough to warrant a higher place on yeah. that, in, you know, in, in all yeah. opinion. I mean, yeah, he, he squeaked in, you know, due to the fact that he's my pick in the, uh, the, the CWC and he has been around for a while. And he, there is talent, but like you said, there's not kind of enough there. 
but he he got it. You know, there was a couple of guys that maybe could have took, managed to squeeze into the fifty. Uh, number 49, a bloke that we've both admired from the start. He's kind of had his ups and downs with us, uh, but that is Jack Gallagher. Yeah, gentleman Jack. I mean, like I said, we've seen him progress from the CWC as well and move along. And, you know, he was hot a couple of years ago, and since there's not really done much, but he's still a guy that's definitely, you know, these guys are going to be on our, if we were going to create a wrestling roster tomorrow. Oh, know, absolutely, yeah. At number 48, we've got the Hardys. Now, people might say you want them harmless, but for us, we had the one big pop return at WrestleMania and then a bit of Broken Matt Hardy. From that, I've not really seen much else. No, you know, we've seen, uh, what was it, Hell in a Cell match against Randy Orton with Jeff Hardy. That was quite an entertaining, albeit gruesome match where he uh, put a screwdriver in his ear and started yeah. twisting it around. But, you know, again, it's, it's a tag team that we absolutely love in our top three top 25 tag teams yeah right down yeah, yeah but yeah. you know again it was it's more of a i don't know a fan thing for us so yeah you know they again they haven't done enough to warrant being higher uh number 47 he's he's someone that we both enjoy he's an absolutely great worker but now he's uh defected to greener pastures shall we speak yeah. but that is neville or A.K.A. Pack. Yeah. I mean, his Cruiserweight title run in 205 Live uh, kind of made the brand relevant and the kind of mistreatment that he got, uh, you can see now in AEW that he really means something. And I think uh, if we do a list in 250 episodes time, including, you know, AEW guys, I think Pack will be straight up on that list. Uh, up next, R-Truth, number 46. Now, this is someone who uh, got in as well. But if you're pushing for this as well. Absolutely, yeah. Well, it's just to his recent shenanigans. I mean, he has just the YouTube videos of the uh, 24-7 title shenanigans have been so entertaining and that has kind of, you know, warranted him a place on the list. I mean, what is he now? 12, 13, 14? So I think, yeah, I think he broke Ric Flair's record uh, for 24-7 title reigns. So up at number 45 is Cedric Alexander. I mean, he's... Had quite an impact on the podcast, well, mainly on 205 Live or the Cruiserweight Classic, but he's still someone that we've got a bit of time for. Without doubt, I mean, he showed what he can do, you know, in on 205 Live, the kind of character and the kind of matches that he was having, and uh, he's definitely someone that's got a, a, a big future ahead of him, if he's right in WWE, and if not, you know, there's still definitely uh, places and things that he can do. Uh, but he's a great talent, and this is someone that we were discussing because 45 along with 44, who's Ali, we were saying two very similar guys who had a lot of success and now on the main roster. And we'd probably say Ali's had a little bit more than Alexander has, maybe looking like a kind of bigger star. But I think the future's definitely there for these guys. And also, talk about entertainment, and Ali's one of the few people on the list, or for the cruiserweights, who wasn't featured on the CWC and came in afterwards. So, you know... Absolutely, yeah, a huge amount of talent with Ali and him and Alexander as well. But, um, yeah, I think Ali's kind of just up there above yeah. Alexander. But number 43, James, they don't just set the bar. They are the bar. And throughout this, the podcast that we've had recently, Cesaro versus Sheamus in a best of seven, we actually saw one of their matches live. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in that, they was both promised ever would get a shot at a title. They both impressed a lot during their best of seven series. 
So the title they got to go against, uh, to go for, was the tag team titles as part of a tag team together. They was kind of reluctant partners, but you know they teamed up anyway, and they became a very successful, very talented tag team. Cesaro's always been high up on our list of guys, especially at the end of the year, uh, who want to be put in a kind of uh, underused or underrated wrestler. Cesaro's always up there with that. Sheamus has been WWE champion in our time on the podcast, which seems like a million miles ago. Now he's kind of changed to a, a tag team wrestler. But I think the bars are whole deserve to be on that kind of list because when you look, look at the talent, you know, there's, there's people, when they come out of kind of um, where... What was the group with Barrett and Rusev along as well, Alberto Del Rio? Like the kind of United Nations type of yeah. thing. That could have been easily signed up list, but the bar did it different and actually had success on their own. Uh, and they, they're definitely talking about great tag teams as well. The Unsputed Era, all, all three of them, O'Reilly, Fish, and Strong are number 42 because another tag team, what they've done everything they need to do in NXT. They have completed NXT now and have been far the entertainment. And I think the Unsputed Era... You kind of, it wasn't a lot of love from you, and I think Kyle O'Reilly kind of helped out there. Handsome Kyle O'Reilly, if we, if we use his full name. I mean, he is an exceptional talent. It's not just, you know, his in-ring ability, which to a T, but it's his facials, it's his entrance to the ring, you know, playing the guitar. I, I, I like someone who's entertaining like that. I've shown you a couple of gifts of Kyle O'Reilly, like when he's been hit, and he thinks he's got it, but no, he just falls down flat on his yeah. face. Absolutely fucking brilliant. Um, wasn't quite sure what to make of Strong coming in when Fish was out injured, but he's kind of joined it and he's kind of made it his own. You know, he has certainly become a deserved part of Undisputed Era. Yeah, I mean, he was a big loser, wasn't he, on NXT, you know, just coming up short. And he's the uh, North American champion now. And this, you kind of think to yourself, yeah, he kind of deserves to be, you know, because he has given everything to NXT and the Unspeaked Era definitely uh, deserve to be on the list of top 50. Uh, number 41, we've kind of put him on there because of his legacy. But, um, you know, it is Triple H. Yeah. He's he's had he's slowed down a bit, obviously, in the last few years. But he's still been quite a pivotal part in a few memorable matches and moments throughout the podcasting time as well. Well, this is the thing. No one has had a bigger kind of maybe creative uh, handle on things than Triple H has. When you consider NXT and he started that, you know, controlling of that and how much we love NXT, you know, just becoming the figurehead of WWE because we've seen Vincent Mann kind of less and less as well. But even for a wrestling standpoint, you know, when we talk about he was his authority with Seth Rollins when we first started the podcast, that was kind of, you know, WWE under his control. Uh, and each WrestleMania as well, you know, against Sting at WrestleMania 31, against Roman Reigns in 32 in the main event, you know. Uh, <coughs> and even against, like, Ronda Rousey in the tag team match, Triple H has always been heavily featured uh, as well. So that's why he's definitely getting... Uh, and number 40, it would be a travesty if he wasn't on the list because he, well, he was the best in the world. And, of course, that is Shane O'Mac. Yes. Um, again, you know, we've seen him in some horrific bumps... During uh, the time of the podcast, I mean, you know, he's had some matches against some absolute fucking legends as well. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, you know, we, we've marked Shane McMahon's return when he came in. It was a massive surprise, been away for so long. And since then, you know, like Hell in a Cell, both two Hell in a Cell moments 
one against um, Kevin Owens and one against uh, The Undertaker as well, you know, are up there with the kind of biggest bumps taken in uh, pressure wrestling, especially with WWE in that way. Uh, but I think that he's he's kind of given it, don't, even though he sweats a lot, his matches are entertaining even if the character wasn't towards the end he puts absolutely everything into what he does as well and you know you can't uh, people might find him irritating we've said a few times that he's been in a position which could deservedly go to other wrestlers but when he's in that position he does put everything he's got into what he's doing number 39 on the list is my man buddy murphy this is one for the future without a shadow of doubt Plus, he's had some great uh, matches already in WWE. When you look at his uh, Smack on SmackDown versus Daniel Bryan or Roman Reigns on NXT uh, versus some great talent. And, of course, what he did on Terai 5 Live and especially moving to Raw now. The future's bright for Buddy Murphy. And he's one of the guys that I've kind of got behind and saying, this is talent. And there's no doubt in my mind he'll be holding a mid-card title before long and actually maybe becoming a workhorse of the division, you know, and I think with Buddy Murphy, you kind of see that in him as well now, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, you know, he is, he is a talent, you know, there's, I've had my criticisms of him in the past. His selling isn't quite up to scratch. I don't think when, uh, he gets hurt, but again, you know, he had very good success on 205 live. The main roster, he's, Smackdown's biggest secret, but it's a secret that no one's been fucking told about. No, it's the thing that's hopefully Raw can be featured a little bit more. Uh, number 38 is the guitar-playing douche Elias. Again, he's someone that I found very irritating coming in, you know, co- coming down his guitar, but he's someone that's grown on me, hence why he didn't make it into the bottom five list. Yeah. He might have got an honourable mention, but, you know, he's he is an entertainer. Um, um, yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with you, and I think he's been misused recently, uh, along with the Shane Man thing, and I think on Raw and WrestleMania and his moments that he's had has been thoroughly entertaining. But it's a character that WWE, you know, there's a lot of interest for, and they've kind of cooled down over time. You know, I think that's a shame. But it's someone that can deliver in ring. Number thirty-seven, Baron Corbin, and Corbin's a guy I described when we first saw him as a future WWE champion, and since then he's done everything but. Of course, winning the money in the bank and unsuccessfully cashing in. Former United States champion, King of the Ring winner now. Uh, with Corbin, I just don't know if he'll ever get to the main event. But if you talk about Hills, the most hated people, he's one of the most hated people in wrestling. And you can't deny it. Absolutely. Again, you know, he's someone with stacks of talent. Again, from the start of the podcast, he was someone that we was, you know, we would definitely have coined one to watch, one for the future, one to be a definite top tier champion. Yeah. But he's kind of just fallen down by the wayside, really. I think you know. I don't know whether it's because there's other people that have got there before him, or if he's. I don't know if he just kind of doesn't deserve it. Well, I don't know if they've given him. You know, there's definitely a solid mid card worker, and he gets uh, good reactions. You know, but the thing is, I don't know if they do see him as a main event player, which of course uh, will, will affect wrestlers in the long haul. Uh, 36, again, on our original top 50 list, he was very, very close to the top. I think he was the top, wasn't he? He was top number one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is The Undertaker. And again, the reason why he's so low on this list is that he's kind of had one or two, maybe three matches a year. And, 
you know, that's kind of it. And he's he's not really done too much. Yeah. I mean, on this podcast, have we seen? Did we see the end of the streak? No, we missed we that. Oh, we, we missed, missed that. The, missed it by years. So. We missed the end of the streak by yeah, a year. We, we but saw him against yeah Bray Wyatt WrestleMania thirty one. Called Shout Man at thirty two. At 33... Didn't we see him against Roman Reigns? He, yeah, he lost to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Well, that's when we thought he retired. Yeah. Of course, he didn't feature it this year's WrestleMania. Uh, fights with... Uh, we, we we have seen him fight Brock Lesnar on this podcast, uh, but it's not been the same. But I think with The Undertaker's kind of legacy, if it wasn't for The Undertaker, I think like the WNR25, uh, when we did the top... Well, the, when we did the Undertaker trilogy, I think that was the kind of first step for the Double R podcast to move on to the next level. Uh, and I think the Undertaker is, is a shadow over WWE as well. And I, I think even now when he comes back, the kind of even though he's passed it, it's still an attraction, you know. And I think that's why the Undertaker is, is still quite high considering what he's been doing these past few years, you know. Uh, number thirty-five is Rusev. Now, here's a guy who was a massive heel and came out on our very first WrestleMania in a tank. Uh, and it was a thing of beauty fighting John Cena. That never really worked. And then since then, it's kind of been a fumbling after fumbling. And then finally, we thought Rusev had found something. But unfortunately, with Rusev Day, they dropped the ball again. There's no doubt he's a great worker. But like we said with Baron Corbin... Is there going to be more success for Rusev, or is he just a guy who's going to be United States champion? I think he's one that could definitely uh, hold, uh, be a main event star, as they say. Absolutely, yeah. With the right gimmick and the right setting, Rusev can definitely be out there. Um, not too sure on what they're doing with him now. He's kind of like a cuckold bitch yeah. at the moment. You know, you've got Bobby Lashley shagging his missus in front of him, and Rusev just kind of. Letting it happen? Yeah. Uh, but Rusev has shown so many different things. We talked about, you know, Matt Riddle and the worst list. Rusev has shown that he can play so many different type of characters. You know, he could be funny. He could, he could be the face, be the heel. He he do different things with that as well. And he does, just deserves more. But what we've seen of him in the podcast, he definitely deserves to be on the list. Yes, uh, number 34 is Dolph Ziggler. I mean, he's someone who's been about. He's had a little time off here and there for his comedy shows. He's kind of changed quite a bit as well i mean i remember him coming out to various wrestlers theme music kind of imitating them and then he come out to no music for a little while and then he's kind of found his feet sort of with drew mcintyre became tag team champion and now he's he was kind of basically used as cannon fodder in the braun Strowman versus tyson fury square off yeah and i think this is the thing with ziggler ever we talk about guys again not being looked at as main event talent. He's the one that can go off and do his own business and WWE can come back. He's main evented um, the pay-per-view, you know, with Seth Rollins with the Nick title, teaming up with Max, like you said. But even uh, the pay-per-view match with The Miz, where, again, it seems like Ziggler is kind of like the ultimate loser. Oh, he's going to come out on top in the end. And it never seems to work out. And the, the match with Miz on SmackDown, when we had like the kind of first draft on the WNR podcast, felt really special. And he's just someone that he knows... He's not going to get any further now. We saw it with Gold against Goldberg at SummerSlam, but he's going to put on a. He's still going to put on a show. You know, there's no doubt. Uh, so that's why Ziggler's definitely deserves to be kind of on the list. Uh, number thirty-three is well, it's quite apt for him. Free. He's a free eleven boy. He's you know someone who I like. I've got his T-shirt. We've seen him at NXT. 
we seen him as an NXT champion, and you know, me and him, we got a special bond together. Yeah. So you know, that's why, <laughs> and he is a bloody good talent as well. Right, uh, and, and I think someone that deserves a bit of credit for that is Zelina Vega involved. Because we saw Andrade debut in NXT as this kind of bland baby face. And it wasn't really working. And, you know, there's quite a bit of uh, uh, hubbub at the time. We were saying, well, maybe this guy's not really worth worth it. He then managed to change to heel with Zelina Vega. And they kind of knew Sienna. He, we've not really seen a wrestler kind of change the character a little bit. And then come so strong as we have with Sienna. Of actually getting to a point where they had to put the NXT title on him. By beating, you know, Drew McIntyre. Uh, and it's a case of like, and, and that's how it was, you know, and, and he built up from that. And of course, they've dropped the ball with him since on the main roster, even though he had a great series of matches with Mysterio. But now hopefully with the draft, we can look towards saying maybe we can trim like a star because there's no doubt in his talent. He had a match of the year candidate with Johnny Gagano, you know, and it probably, probably I think it was our match of the year. So when someone does that, they definitely deserve to be uh, on the list. Uh, up next, 32, oh, one of our favourite tag teams. It's Lorcan and Birch. And again, like most of these guys, you see them and you think, okay, maybe not your standard tag team. Danny Birch was kind of veteran that we, we knew about. And Lorcan came along. Uh, and then if you just think about them, the chemistry as a tag team, the kind of the way they always just, again, gave their best as well in each match. And even though they probably weren't most well-known, we always worked the, the, the hardest. And they've put in some great performances over time as well. They both deserve it. I mean, only Lorcan, he's been doing bits on 205, as has Danny Birch of late as well. Um, Lorcan coming up short at 205 Live or Cruiserweight Championship match as well, unfortunately. But, you know, we rarely agree on wrestlers that we both like. And these two are both... I don't know, there's just something about them that... They're absolutely lush. They've got a mix of the old school. They've got a mix of new school, you know. They're they're both absolute crazy fuckers. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think, you know, we, we talk about entertaining tag teams. That is definitely one in Lorcan and Birch. Number 31. And James, it wouldn't be a, if this man didn't make the list. <laughs> well, I bet he'd be celebrating with a little bit of bubbly as he gets to 31 on our list. And it's Chris Jericho. Um, yeah, you know, he's he's someone that We've seen reinvent himself on here. He was best friends with Kevin Owens for a while. Uh, absolute cracking kind of thing. I think he was US champion as Owens was champion, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. They were both champions at the same time. We've seen Jericho feud with Dean Ambrose as well, uh, and they had this great crazy cage match. That was kind of one of our, our, our favourite memories of the past as well. Uh, and, it, and it's someone that WWE thought they could rely upon. And then suddenly he said, wait a minute, I want to do what I want to do. And then it was the AEW, and now he's the AEW champion as well. Absolutely, so. yeah. You know, he is a groundbreaker. He is someone that may be slightly over the hill, but AEW are treating him like he is the biggest thing going. Yeah, without a doubt. This might surprise some, and maybe they should be higher up on the list, but it's it's June part to a couple of things. It's Mustache Mountain. And of course, there's no doubt in Tyler Bate is one of the most talented wrestlers of his generation. What he did against Walter at NXT TakeOver Cardiff is something really, really special. We've talked about uh, his match against, uh, his, our match of the year against Pete Dunne as well back in 2017. Uh, but with Trent Seven, the more husky of the two, he's kind of not had the best win-loss record either. And uh, kind of only success, they won the NXT but lost him soon after and haven't actually been NXT UK Tag Team Champions yet. Of course, Tyler Bate 
the first ever NXT UK champion. But a lot of people forget that because of Dunn's title reign. You know, absolutely yes. And uh, you know, going on a bit more about Trent Seven, he was my pick for the inaugural UK title championship tournament. You know, he he, he came up a bit short, but he's someone that I was. Yes, you know, he's got that factor about him that I enjoy. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, and I think if we do in the t- you know, 250 episodes time, how many episodes time, I think Mustache Mountain might be separated because I think Tyler Bate is is destined for greatness. I, I can't see it any other way. You know, I don't know how they're going to drop ball. Whether it's in WWE or anywhere else, Tyler Bate is going to be a huge star in the future. And so might Trent Seven. He might do something to change his character. But we'll talk about, of course, the Len and the Now. And talk about great tag teams, one uh, one of our favorite tag teams, multiple tag teams of the year awards, uh, the Revival. Yes, uh, at number 25, Dash and Dawson. Uh, 20, uh, number 29, Dash and Dawson. I mean, they're a very entertaining tag team. Again, another old school style tag team. They cut off the ring. They, you know, they do exactly what we expect from a tag team. Again, that you know, there's there's someone who we kind of stood in a similar stead to what the Vaudevillians were like for us as well at the start of the podcast. But you know, with the revival attaining heaps of talent, very close to leaving WWE at one point. But you know, WWE must have seen the errors of their ways, immediately you know done everything they could to re-sign them and keep them on their books, which is a very smart move yeah. because. You know, no doubt in my mind, anywhere else they go, there'd be tag team champions and the division would be built around them. Right, I mean, their matches with American Alpha and NXT are stuff that maybe you're getting forgetting about now. And, of course, with uh, like DIY and team, it just shows kind of how good they were. And the only team, tag team, to be Triple Crown champions to hold the Raw, SmackDown, and, of course, NXT tag team titles as well. Uh, and up next, it's uh, 28 is Sami Zayn. And has a guy maybe been treated so poorly we talk about talent being treated poorly this guy was the face and star of nxt and especially when we were just watching it the feud with kevin owens had just happened where he had bade him and zane was just kind of like the ultimate underdog uh, and just a fantastic worker and he's been associated with owens has that affected him you reckon do you think they should have kept separate over time i think they should have kept separate but you know they've kind of Together and apart, together and apart, and well, currently Sami Zayn's a heel. Kevin Owens is a kind of a face. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, will they come together in the future? I've no doubt about it that they're going to have another match. Uh, but I think he deserves a lot more than he's been given. You know, he is a very entertaining wrestler. He's a very good, talented wrestler as well. And being Nakamura's mouthpiece, I don't think that is the quite the right move for him. I mean, especially when you consider the the kind of match of the candidate that both men had when Nakamura had made his debut against Zane and the talent that he's got. There's no doubt he's been wasted, but at least he's still being featured uh, kind of on the roster. At 27 down? Uh, number 27, a man who, you know, he holds a huge place in my heart. And it's not only for what he's been doing as of late. It's, you know, we go back 20 years, we watched WWE versus WCW. And someone that you have kind of, you hold in high regard now as well from being someone who was not as familiar with him as I was. But, you know, you kind of see what my big attraction with Goldberg has been about. And, you know, he's come back. He destroyed Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship. He destroyed Brock Lesnar. He got destroyed by Brock Lesnar. 
He had a fuck-up match against The Undertaker. We kind of swept that under the carpet because he kind of revered himself against Dolph Ziggler. And, you know, he is just an all-round legend, a man who definitely deserves his place in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, without a doubt, you know. And uh, like you said, with Goldberg as well, one of my biggest disappointments with WrestleMania 20 in the main event match, against, or one of the main event matches against Brock Lesnar, and they managed to redeem themselves, you know, at WrestleMania during the podcast as well, which why basically he's on the list. Number 26, he had to be on the list. It's the glorious one. It's Bobby Roode. This man made NXT the place to be and diffused with Nakamura and McIntyre was, was something else. And that's, no, that's, that's the reason why Bobby Roode is going to be on this list, you know. And you, you have to admit as well, the match in NXT, yes, on the main roster, has he really worked? He was United States champion, of course, tag team champions with Dolph Ziggler. But I think that's why Bobby Roode deserves to be 26. All right, so we'll stop there for a second. We are just, we're halfway through the list. We've got 25 to 1 still to come. But let's not forget, next episode, it is our Halloween special. Fifth annual Halloween special that we're going to bring all the scares. And of course, we'll be in Halloween Havoc 1999 as well. All right now, so like I said, we're halfway through. So let's run back from 50 up until we get to number 25. So number 50, we've got the Scottish supernova, Noam Dar. 49, Gentleman Jack Haga. 48, we've got the Pissed Up Hardys. 47 is Neville. Or Pack. 46, the most entertaining man at the moment, R-Truth. 45, Cedric Alexander. And 44, Ali. 43, they not... Just don't set the bar. They are the bar. 42, it's the Undisputed Era, but not all of them. It's O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong. At 41, it's the game. At 40, he's the best in the world, Shane O'Mac. 39, my man, Buddy Murphy. 38, he's a guitar-playing douche, but he's still on the list anyway. It's Elias. 37, bow down to your king, Baron Corbin. 36, the dead man has risen down the list, The Undertaker. 35, Rusev Matraka. <laughs> Rusev Matraka. 34, it is Dolph Ziggler. 33, is Andrade Cien Almas. 32, 1 and 2, Lockin and Birch. 31 is Chris Jericho. And I didn't do a list joke, I know. 30, the man with the best moustaches in the business it is Moustache Mountain. Number 29, The Revival. Number 28, Sami Zayn. 27, it's Goldberg. 26, James's man, Robert Bobby Roode. And at 25 now, it's a guy who might have featured even heavily either up or down, considering I would never thought there'd be a day and age where WWE didn't feature John Cena. And that is something that in the podcast that we've had to deal with. He was the face that ran the place. And of course, we had done lots of things you know, not talk about facing Rusev at WrestleMania or Bray Wyatt. It wasn't in our time, but that was just after. And, of course, we've John Cena since then. But he's put in loads of great performances. Uh, Dan, what do you think about John Cena being 25? Uh, yeah, John Cena, I think the middle of the list is good for him. He's kind of slowed down a bit. He's turned his career to acting. I think he's now in the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, he's he's certainly been an entertaining character I think we've seen you know uh, a, a reboot of John Cena when he came back as a fugonomics gimmick for was it Smackdown or I think it was Wrestlemania with Elias wasn't it Wrestlemania yeah well it was somewhere around then 
<laughs> but you know, he's uh, he's always been a constant. I mean, he had some great matches against AJ Styles, a match of the year candidate, I believe. Yeah, well, well, you're definitely your match of the year. Uh, and a guy who definitely deserves to be there. Another guy ahead of him is Adam Cole, baby! <laughs> 24! Absolutely, yes. He made our most annoying list. And he's also made our top 25 as well. Wow, that is an incredible achievement. No man has done it. Why is Adam Cole 24? Uh, well, you know, as much as he is an irritating twat, he has got a lot of talent. And you take away like the comparisons to Shawn Michaels... He has had some very fucking good matches on NXT. And, you know, with NXT, they get given the good amount of time. The NXT pay-per-views are absolutely out of this fucking world. And he's had some matches, you know, some great matches against some great competitors. So, you know, it would be stupid to leave him off this list. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. I think 24 is good. 23 is a guy who is on there. Uh, he's only been in, well, since we're doing Double Podcast. It'll be a short space of time. But the impact that he's had in that time puts him list on this list and quite high up in it as well. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, he is definitely a game changer, and it is Volta, and it is in all capital letters. I mean, just hearing his theme sends a shiver down your spine. I mean, you know, it's an absolute classic of a theme tune, and his in-ring ability is great. He's kind of the man responsible for ending Pete Dunne's absolutely amazing. UK title run as well. I would say that uh, Pete Dunphy, we look back as well, that's kind of our Undertaker streak. That's kind of the thing that happened that we maybe maybe thought. Another honourable mention for that as well, even though we're not going to talk about it, obviously Oscar's undefeated streak. That is something that happened. But I feel with Pete Dunn, that kind of just told a story that was just unbelievable anything else. And I think that's one of the tales we follow through on the podcast as well. And the kind of guy to stop it all. Number 23, Volta. And who's at 22, Dan? Number 22 is one of my men, and it is Ali B. He has absolutely amazed us during his debut. I mean, he's a man who sits where he wants. He does. He does. I'm not lying. He sits where the fuck he wants. He had a great match against Velveteen Dream, and, you know, that is the moment where Velveteen Dream earned Alistair Black's respect as well. And, you know, he said his name. Uh, you know, even though that Velveteen, he's not even on this list. Yeah, Velveteen Dream, he didn't get on the oh, list. Oh, shit. <laughs> I told you there might be guys we might forget. You know, I said there's someone we've forgotten. <laughs> Velveteen Dream. But there's a guy, again, if we talk about the kind of dream involved, is, yeah, he's had experience, but has he done enough for this past, you know, year since those moments to kind of validate is is on the scene? Uh, I'm sure, of course, we'll do, an, you know, as the podcast continues, we'll do revised list as well. I'm sure there's other ones. I mean, of course, if you hear anybody, you know, people listening, go, oh, wait a minute, what about this person? Of course, they've got to be in wrestling since um, the start of the podcast. Of course, like I said, May 4th, 2015. And uh, that's why number 21 gets on the list as well, because obviously he's not in WWE anymore. Uh, yes. Um, well, Moxley or Dean Ambrose, as he was known... In WWE, um, he's he was my favourite member of the Shield. He's you know he they kind of dropped the ball with him towards his end of his run, but I think we've seen him as champion. Yeah, we've seen him. He you know he won Money in the Bank. He cashed it in the night. I think it was like all three Shield members were the night. You know he was part of the Shield. You know, and we absolutely adored it. And the moment where all three of them fisted back again in the middle of their big breakups. Mm. You know, a three-man fisting session yeah, in the ring. You've got to love that, ain't you? 
it's it's an absolute great yeah. moment, and you know he's someone that WWE should have done better by. Yeah. I mean, you know, if he'd have been given the push that Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins had, you know, God knows only where he might have been by now. Without a doubt, and uh, I mean that's definitely why. So there's someone so entertaining, of course, one of Dan's favourite wrestlers. But we're going to get into the top twenty now of the wrestlers in the podcast. Number twenty, and it's Braun Strowman. Get these hands. This is a guy who, you know, when we first saw him as a giant in the Wyatt family, we just thought he was another generic big guy, you know, maybe someone like Lars Sullivan or someone like that. But he's proved himself as to be this generation's big show. And you can take that as a compliment or an insight how he wants it, but I think he'll always have a job. And I think he's going to get his biggest moment coming up at Crown Jewel, you know, as we're recording this, against Tyson Fury. Well, start the big show. He is going against a professional boxer at a massive pay-per-view. You know, um, but yeah, Braun Strowman, I think he's he's someone that, again, you could definitely see them putting a title on some point in the not-too-distant future. He's he's a great worker. He's certainly got the fans, you know, get these hands and his charge around the ring is absolutely fucking brilliant. Um, this thing with uh, Tyson Fury is only going to elevate him more, I believe. Um, and yeah, most he deserves to be on the list. You know, even even though he's someone that he's been featured heavily in the WWE, but he's not quite done enough. You know, he's he's yeah. won the tag team champions with a fucking young lad, Nicholas. <laughs> Very uh, memorable moment for the WNR podcast. Yeah, and it's like kind of never reached full potential. He's kind of, and it will see if it happens or not with him. You know, guy again unsuccessful cashing in money in the bank. Uh, but number nineteen on the list of the team that's really used anymore. But uh, I still had such an impact with a feud with a new day, and kind of probably been. If we look at best tag teams that we've seen, the revival and everything like that. But the Usos are definitely up, maybe you know, top two. Yeah, they've had some uh, amazing matches since we started the podcast. I mean, we've seen them going from their face painted, like cheery over the top mm. facey guys, to their more serious Uso penitentiary to. Kind of, they're, they're in between it now. Well, they were yeah, until yeah, yeah. they stopped. They were cool, weren't they? Do you know yeah. what I mean? That's that, that thing about them. And I, th- I think that's what we've, we've seen with the Usos as well. And they just keep delivering as a tag team. You know, Jimmy J, yeah, they might have personal issues or whatever that is. But together, they can be uh, an awesome team and definitely deserve to be in the top 20. Uh, at number 18, he is... I don't, we need someone special to do his introduction, I believe. You know, we need Paul Heyman to snatch the mic out of our hands. Name is Paul Heyman, and that number eighteen is my client Brock Lesnar. I mean, you know, you don't do it any justice. I'll give it that. But yeah, it is at number eighteen, Brock Lesnar. I mean, he's he's been someone that's pissed us off quite a bit throughout. You know, he's he's a part timer, but. We've seen him have some fucking great matches as of late. You know, if he's going to AJ Styles uh, and so on and so forth, you know, he does have great fucking matches. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, and like I said, we have seen it, and that, and that is the problem, is that the, he that same wrestler is there, it's just that he can't be bothered half the time. The, the answer is not Cain Velasquez. It would be give Kofi Kingston a, a proper rematch and, and make it look competitive as well. That, that would be a beautiful moment. But we can't deny that WWE, their biggest star in these past you know five years since we've been doing podcasts as well, has been Brock Lesnar. He's been used uh, you know as the guy, and he comes and gets a champ. When you think, oh, you know Roman Reigns feud, he loses Universal Championship. He won't get that back soon. He is champion. Again, you know, he'll lose it to Rollins. He won't be champion again. He's, WWE, he's always 
positioned as such. You know, and, and I think that's why Lesnar deserves to be high up, even though it's a shame because if he if he really cared and, and really wanted to, then he could be number one on this list. Uh, and that therein lies a problem with him. Yeah, you know, he's not someone that's content around being the mid-card as well. You know, you would never see him going for the US Championship. You'd never see him teaming up with someone to go for a tag team title in the Continental Championship. He's not. He is someone that only goes for the top prize in the game. Yeah, and I completely agree with you with that. Uh, up next is number 17, Bring on the Trumpets, and it's Samoa Joe. Ba-dum, bam, 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 Yeah, it, you know, he is, he is a man who's pivotal to the NXT on the WNR podcast. I mean, you know, he's someone that we started Joe Watch for. It was back in the day because Jared... Who is no longer with us? Rest in peace. We're a big man. He's uh, he's not dead. By the no, way, no, no, he works at home bar. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting married, so he might as well be dead. Yeah. Bless him. Um, but no, you know, he is someone that Jared absolutely admired, and you know, if he was here, he would have had him at number one, and yeah. there would have been no other alternative. His list would have been Samoa Joe. That is it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but enough about Jared, who's a tit and no longer with us. It is about Samoa Joe, and you know, again, he's this high because of what he done in NXT. Yeah, his main roster run-ins haven't been the greatest. You know, he has been plagued by a few injuries. Unfortunately, he has had a few good matches, a few good moments, but you know, nothing compares to what he was like when he was on NXT. Yeah, without that, and that Joe was a killer, as we've seen in other places like you know Impact or TNA, as it was. Uh, can make Joe a huge successful star. Is he been broken down now due to independence? I still think he's got a, a, a run in him and a, and a couple of good years. And I think, uh, you know, over on Raw with the guys he can mix it up with, I think there's potential. I, I don't think he, he looks like W champion, but a lot of guys have become that who, who never looked like it. And Joe's definitely a guy, like I said, we've been watching since the very, very beginning. Another guy I've been watching since the very, very beginning at number 16 has been Drew McIntyre. I used to watch W Superstars to see McIntyre jobbing out to uh, to Justin Gabriel and people like that. And then he went away. And, of course, that's when we saw him in the independent scene. It was a big success. And then come back to NXT. And at that time in NXT, where, like you said, one of my favorite moments, Bobby Roode and Nakamura. And I thought, how can they possibly top that? And then they have McIntyre coming in, challenging Roode, beating him for the title. And you're thinking that it's kind of incredible how it happens like that. On the main roster, I don't know why they've not gone with him yet. They've given him Ziggler and it worked well. Uh, anything he's done, they give him Shane McMahon, and it's kind of just slowed slowed it down. And there's, you know, even the talk of future WWE champion, but until he is, it's it's, it's always going to be a failure in it for Drew McIntyre, and that is a shame. And that's why he's only 16, because when you look at what he could do in the ring, especially in NXT, it, it, it kind of is incredible stuff. And he's toned it down; it's been toned down for him on the main roster. And there's no doubt if he was to leave WWE he would be main event anywhere, you know? Absolutely, yes. And uh, a man that the WNR voted as better than Drew McIntyre, and that is the tight, (laughs) the ripped, the Royal Rumble winning WWE heavyweight champion, former WWE heavyweight champion, Randy Orton. I mean, what can I say about Orton? I mean, he is, since the inception of this podcast, he has been... My man, you know, my guy, he has been someone who, no matter what kind of situation he's in, I always still, you know, I'd never fall out of love with Randy Orton. Uh, I'm going to say, James, I love Randy Orton. (laughs) You have, and you always will, even though you don't normally 
go for him. But I think that's been one of the comedy things. I'm talking about our guys, you know, McIntyre. Um, you know, you always seem to go for or go against him in predictions. It's always a laugh anyway. And another guy who would maybe be on your like most hated list, but now I think he's just. It's a shame what's happened to Miz as well. That's what the worst thing is. Looking at this fifty list and going. Who's really become like proper stars? The Miz is the guy with great babyface fun at the start of the year. And then again with the Shane McMahon thing, completely slowed down. He's great as a heel and he's shown he's good as a face. And he's someone that you dislike, but you can't deny there's something about him. You know, <laughs> like... There is there's something entertaining about him. Yeah, he may be an irritating prick, but you know, for what he does, he does it well. Yeah. And, you know, the Miz is someone who I don't know if he's ever going to be able to reach that plateau again that he was at, you know, when he was WWE champion. I don't think he's going to be a Royal Rumble winner. You know, he's not going to be that, but he's going to be someone that's going to be featured and he is always going to be the top of the mid card. I, I completely agree with that, you know, uh, and I think that's what we've seen with the Miz. Uh, and, it's, you know, it's just a shame when you look at the list list and you go, are WWE actually going to use any of these guys? Uh, at number 13, it's unlucky for some. Uh, well, it should be for the Blackheart, really, shouldn't it, you know? Absolutely, yes. It's Tommaso Ciampa, and we've seen him... Fucking hell. We've seen him as part of DIY. We've seen him inflicting the most amount of punishment on his former tag team partner that actually deserves... Yeah. I mean, they lost in a ladder match to Authors of Pain. If going against... If, you know, if, if being in a ladder match against the Authors of Pain ain't bad enough... His then former partner turned on him and, you know, just beat the living tar out of him. But, you know, that wasn't it for Tommaso Ciampa. He kind of redesigned himself and he, you know, he had his huge beard. Uh, you know, we've seen him as the puppet master. We've seen him as NXT champ with Goldie. We've, you know, he has been one of the best heels I've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah. And I've got to say, you know, we talk about, we're looking back as well. It's his best story told that we've seen, isn't it? You know, Absolutely. For in the in, if there was a list which we might have to do, now, yeah, no, top story of the up. best storylines we've seen, Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gagano is definitely going to be up there, number one yeah. without a doubt. We just had even moments that they copied in their first uh, in the CWC, you know, with the arm around the shoulder to go into doing it later on in matches, and that's how you to to tell a story. And that is what you're doing. And so obviously without Chumper, you know, you have to kind of connect the two. And that's why number 12 is uh, Johnny Gagano. Because, like I said, Johnny Gagano is a guy who's told you're never going to make it at a certain level. And he's coming in NXT. And he's he is... You talk about, like, Ali or uh, Alexander, the heart and soul, 205 Live. Like, Gagano is 205 Live. He was Sami Zayn was. He's like Finn Balor. Do you know what I mean? He's the man in NXT. Absolutely, yeah, you know, he's not the heart, the soul, he's the embodiment, he's the spirit of NXT. He's someone that's been in NXT since we've started watching it, and when and if he leaves NXT, it is going to be a sad day for the WNR podcast, because we know that what he's done on NXT, he's never going to be able to achieve anything near, near that on the main roster. And, you know, we talk about, like, what Chomp has done, Johnny Gagano... So, you know, you know, not only has he achieved Johnny NXT, Johnny Wrestling, but he achieved Goldie, and he is in no way, shape, or form ready to leave NXT anytime soon. No, like you said, you know, a triple crown champion as well, tag team champions, of course, DIY, North American champion. 
and now, of course, and then NXT champion as well, and the feud with Adam Cole, the matches that they've been having, it has been, you know, Johnny Gargano, Triple H compared to like a Shawn Michaels of the guy that just goes out there and just delivers constantly, and that's what Gargano does in any situation. situation. Uh, but, I mean, those two guys, 13 and 12, and I'm sure, like I said, if it was just based on NXT stuff, they would be uh, higher up the list, and we'll see what happens with them. But number 11, it's a new day. Yes, it is. Yes, um, the New Day, I think they've been boosted up our list, not just because of their tag team accomplishments, which have been amazing, but because of their standout performer as well, Kofi Kingston, finally, after 11 years, achieving what he's wanted to achieve, and that is the WWE Championship. Now, you know, a lot of people thought that day would never, ever come, but it has, and, you know, he embraced it. It was such a feel-good moment as well for... Um, Kofi to be WWE champion. It's unbelievable as well. And it's, you know, it is just a new day for New Day. Well, but the thing is, Kofi may be higher up on the list, but we, we put New Day together because when they first started, his kind of faces and it never worked. They changed it, became Hills, and then got super over. And I don't think anybody would have thought, we talk about the Shield, that even a New Day would be together to this day and, and having the success that they've had, you know, you constantly, consistently putting these matches uh, and type and, and coming. You talk about Kofi, you know, even Big E just so entertaining as well. So there's no doubt they miss out on the top 10. But down the top 10 starts. Yes, well, number 10, obviously. That's how any top 10 would start. But it is a bloke who we never thought would get this far in WWE, let alone thrive in the business. We met him on the Independence. One of our friends who was there watching it with us as well, who has no affiliation with wrestling whatsoever had you know quite a nice conversation with him about nothing to do with wrestling we've met him i've got a great photo with him and that is ricochet yeah ricochet in the top 10. but why so high dan what was he why is he in the 10 when he when you think about what has he achieved since being in wwe well you know he is an outstanding performer he has had great matches in wwe He's only achieved the North American Championship and... He held it when and, he beat Joe, didn't he? And yeah. And soon lost it to AJ. And the US Championship. He, you know, he hasn't achieved a lot, but it is, you know, all about personal things with Ricochet as well. You know, as soon as we heard he was announced in NXT, we both went batshit crazy. And it's, you know, something that he has thoroughly deserved since we've watched him and since we've heard of him. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, number nine is a guy who's had a most up-and-down uh, career, especially during the podcast, you know, coming in as a Wyatt family and uh, being so dominant as they were. And then, you know, thought maybe turned the corner and then Randy Orton ruined his career for a time, you know, robbing him of the WWE Championship and then finally come back as Fiend. But again, I don't really going to drop the ball. Bray Wyatt at nine, why is he in this position there? Um, I think, you know, it's it's going on his potential as well as what he has achieved because he has achieved not as much as, you know, a few other members on the list have, but, you know, he's still there. He's still been about the spotlight. You know, he is still someone that we think, you know, if they actually pulled the trigger on him properly, he could be an absolute fucking star. I think I completely agree with you there. Like we said, with the Fiend, something so special. Uh, so hopefully... You know, in the future as well, moving further up the list. At number eight, as a guy that's had a huge impact, became the first ever Universal Champion, but since maybe injuries or something like this, it's just not really worked out. Finn Balor, though, gets to number eight. Yeah, again, you know, he is someone that 
we've absolutely loved since NXT. Well, I certainly have anyway. James has been a bit hit or miss with him. The demon character that he brings to wrestling is still something that's, I think, held in quite high stead as well. Um, but, you know, you know, he is someone that... His face entrance, his... Just his whole general persona, I think, is is a great characterism. Yeah, and it, like I say, he's gone back to NXT now. So we'll see if that's kind of, you know, going to be a continuous thing for him. Can he be a, a world champion again? I'm sure a lot of people see it that way. But my only thing is, is that I see him, he can be a great mid-card champion. There's nothing wrong with that either. But there's a lot of guys here, you would say, on NXT, you know, the reason. And the kind of longevity, I mean, Balor was the face of NXT for so long. Much like the guy that basically came along and replaced him from that. And number seven is Shinsuke fucking Nakamura, you know? Absolutely. Again, you know, a man whose entrance has just astounded us. I couldn't think they've kind of dropped the ball with it a bit of late. But, you know, having that Asian rapping going for it, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. that kind of... But, you know, that was something that happened when he turned heel. The whole fans chant along with it. And again, you know, this is going based 80% in NXT. Yeah. I mean, you know... We still pop out at his finishing move, King Shasha, and you know he's just a great character. Again, someone who, if they actually went with it, he could be someone who is representing the company as a whole. Yeah, I mean, winning the Royal Rumble and then and then not having him win the match at WrestleMania is just a huge mistake. And so the United States champion has been Intercontinental champion now as well. There's no doubt, but I think Nakamura and maybe with Sami Zayn by his side could be a, a little bit, you know better used in the future but there's no doubt Nakamura is just a great star you know it doesn't matter where he's from and I think that's maybe held him back a little bit as well but Nakamura definitely deserves to be seven it's weird how many NXT people as well are you know especially well, dot around this kind of way NXT is made up our top ten <laughs> spoiler alert no it's made up our top nine nine out of our top ten so we've seen you know there's a lot of people here on the list uh, we talk about Nakamura no, it is Kevin Owens Again, someone who we follow through NXT had a great NXT career. I mean, Cannonball! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and to be able to come on the main roster straight at John Cena you know, and deliver quality performances and actually get a victory as well showed what I was all about. A guy who would never maybe look like a WWE superstar, you know, and all these kind of things has gone wrong. And, and yet he's, he's constantly brought out the best in every in every storyline that he's finally been given. You know, even with Sami Zayn, or even the stuff with Shane McMahon, he's, he's tried his hardest. You know, and it's been WWE's kind of way of treating him. Even with Chris Jericho as well and all that kind of, you know, the WrestleMania showdown. That should have been for the Universal title. But again, it, and it's a shame, but Owens is just constantly, and I think he's a great in-ring worker as, as well. You know, I think he's so underrated in that regard. Absolutely, yeah. You know, there's... Again, a lot of these top 10, if WWE actually pulled the trigger on them, then, you know, they could be something absolutely fucking special and it could be someone that could run the company. Yeah, I think we had that. Uh, at number five, it is the leader of the Yes Movement or the No Movement, depending on where you're watching, or he's the planet's champion, or he's the vegan lentil sniffing machine, <laughs> Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I think Daniel Bryan, you know, we dealt with his retirement here in the podcast and it was kind of one of those things that... You know, it was upsetting to see a talent who had done WrestleMania, and even after our first WrestleMania, he's winning the Canuck title in a ladder match, and, and you think to yourself, right, here we go, and then retiring, and be able to come back, and not only come back, but still look as good as he ever has done, and don't get me wrong, he might not have achieved, I mean, he's WWE champion, of course, he might not have, you know, done a whole lot since kind of returning from injury, 
but he just looks anything he's given again a lot like Kevin Owens a lot like most of these guys they make the best out of a bad situation situation and, and I think that's definitely Daniel Bryan absolutely yeah you know he's he's someone who we both definitely hold in high regard I mean you know he's in the greatest world rumble I think he came in one and he was in it till like about 47 yeah I mean he's got the Royal Rumble record and that is not long after coming back from his retirement and the chest you know the the marks on his chest probably still there as well there's no doubt Brian is a fantastic in-ring performer like the next man number four and I've got to say I will admit now this was my original number one for my list because there's no other wrestler that I've watched that I've enjoyed more over a period of time since I saw him debut and this is a guy that I wasn't expecting to kind of become a huge fan do you know what I mean of and yet the performance he's put in the kind of character work and what he can do uh the bruiserweight Pete Dunne at number four is is just everything about him is fantastic whenever he puts in a shift in a wrestling ring he puts in a shift you know you you can't say that you've ever seen a bad Pete Dunne I mean you know everything he does he he does it with such finesse such just skill he's I would say in the top 10 he is probably the best technical wrestler out of every single one of them, in, you know, in my opinion. Um, you know, again, if he, if and when he moves up to the main roster, he is going to be... It, if he isn't champion within a year of moving up, they're doing something very, very yeah. wrong. I, I think they've done something wrong at the moment, the way they're mishandling him after his, uh, his title off the water. But that title reign and what he did, he, you know... What he did and what Tyler Bate done is basically start a new promotion. NXT UK wouldn't have come about if these guys hadn't delivered in the spots that they were given. And Dunn took that on his shoulders and he was happy with the responsibility and took it seriously, showing what British wrestling can do. And it's thanks to him that we're, you know, it's, it's held in such high regard now. Of course, you know, the, the generations beforehand, uh, you know, and the workers that are out there that maybe not getting the credit that someone like Pete Dunne is, but I mean, for Pete Dunne, what he's done for British wrestling, legitimise it and kind of make it seem, you know, the British strong style and everything that goes along with it. Uh, it's just, it, without the podcast, I don't think I would have seen Pete Dunne. And I think that's what, you know, when you think about being on the network or just being on NXT or whatever it is, I don't think that it's someone that you would have seen. So I think with, with Dunne, definitely deserves to be four. And like I said, if, if like treated correctly... There's no doubt he can become, even before McIntyre, the very first, you know, British WWE champion. Absolutely, yeah. You know, there's no amount of superlatives you can throw at Pete Dunne. But number three, a guy who's kind of taken over the mantle as the number one in WWE at the moment. You know, he's probably one of the most protected, and that is Seth Rollins. I mean, we're kind of taking out his performance in his last, well, not his performance, but what WWE done in his last pay-per-view match in Hell in a Cell, you know, that was, we're just going to sweep that under the carpet, but he is, you know, he's someone who's kind of overtaken Roman Reigns as the top dog in the Shield, or formerly of the Shield. Uh, he's, you know, multiple-time WWE champion. He's, Raw. we've seen him just doing basically everything in the WWE. Yeah, well, this is the thing, I, I said earlier, Brock Lesnar, is like the, the the biggest star in WWE, and I I think that. But I think when you look at especially our next, you know, two picks, well, Seth Rollins, he he's been featured so heavily. Like when we start with Ifori, he was the heel champion. He's gone through that, holding the title. You know, now he's doing his babyface run that we've seen the Royal Rumble winner. Like every opportunity Rollins, you know, he's been given, and there's no doubt he can deliver. Is he as good as he says he is? Um, I don't know. Seth Rollins can go. 
But I think there's other people on this list. I think maybe even Pete Dunn that on a on a day to day basis, you know, week day in day out might have it. But there's no doubt Seth Rollins though is a fantastic worker. But this is what you see now. I think anybody who's kind of positioned as the number one guy is going to start getting negative reaction, which we we, we said before, you know. And and speaking of number three, and then moving on to the kind of number <coughs> number four, the guy that that fits the description for these past five years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've um, <clears throat> we've seen him go through, you know, kind of a, a very personal time in WWE. You know, of of more recent, but you know, going into what we've seen of him, we've seen him kind of take everything he's been given, and you know, he's he's probably not been asked to be the top guy in WWE, but Vince McMahon's like, you're big for doing it. And, you know, so he's had to kind of run with it. Unfortunately, you know, he was diagnosed. Well, he had leukemia, but his leukemia was back. Um, and then, you know, you kind of never forget the goosebumpy feeling when he, had, you know, when he kind of made that announcement. And then when he came back, oh, smiles. I'm in remission, yo. You know, that was kind of like a, a feel-good moment in WWE. You know, not just as a character, but as... You know, a person, you wouldn't wish that on anyone. And so, yeah, Roman Reigns, he's he's been dealt a bit of a shit hand in WWE. You know, not in performance-wise, but, you know, he's been booed quite a lot. He's he's not been revered as high said as he should be. But Reigns, you know, I think he's a great character. I think one of the very early episodes we saw, the, uh, Chronicles on Roman Reigns, and it kind of put you into perspective of, you know, what he can do, what he is as a man, and, you know, what does bring ball. I mean, there's no doubt, you know, people could argue he's put in that position because of, you know, family, heritage, or connections like this, but he had to work for it, and he became a great worker from it as well. And he's probably the, the guy that's become, had the most personal relationship with the audience since maybe like a John Cena or something like that. I know with Daniel Bryan, but Reigns just seems so open about it, and... Like, he's the guy that's taken on the mantle as being kind of like the next, you know, guy who's just representing WWE through and through. He's, he's not going to say anything bad about him, uh, but he's got a smile on his face and he'll just do anything that he can. And I think that's what makes him kind of number two on the list when you compare him to with Rollins, because I think Reigns, and a lot of people are going to hate, I think stronger, as in a, a, a guy I would rather have over Seth Rollins as well, you know, if we we're going to talk about what they can bring. I think Reigns is a great worker. But that is nearly it now. So we've just got one person left. Would you say that that one person left is a nominal one? Oh, I might have to say, Dan. Who is number one? On AJ Styles. <laughs> AJ Styles is number one. Why is he number one on the top 50 list? I think he has made the biggest impact since coming into WWE, I mean, you know, we I remember him, Roman Reigns was in the ring. He was defending his title in the first ever, this is all kind of Royal Rumble title match. Well, the second ever one, actually. And I think come out of number three. And unfortunate camera angles, it was kind of panned on Roman Reigns' face as opposed to I am phenomenal flashing up on the uh, LED board. And Roman Reigns, you can see kind of confused look on his face, like, who the fuck's this? And then AJ Styles come out and, you know, he interacted with every single person that came out after him in that Royal Rumble. And it was just like, fucking out. You know, maybe a bit later on in his career for my liking, but, you know, still someone that we've got to see, we've got to experience, and, you know, just the matchups he's had since then. Yeah. Well, this is the thing with AJ Styles, that, 
we always got told he was a great wrestler. We always got told he was, you know, fantastic, phenomenal, whatever it is. But he was never in WWE for, for us to see at the time. And then he debuted, like I said, 2016, January. So we just started a podcast there as well in our first year. AJ's debut. And then to see him basically carry SmackDown on his back, be WWE champion twice, win it in, in England, for fuck's sake, you know. And every time... And don't get me wrong, AJ might not have had, like, some of his matches in his feuds... Might have been a little bit disappointed, but it's only because you hold AJ Styles up to the highest level. Not many, you know, his average or good match is someone's fantastic match in some ways, you know, with AJ Styles. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, it's just the amount he's achieved since coming up here is nothing short of amazing as well. You know, he's always been there or thereabouts. So, you know, he's had a couple of blips, so to speak. You know, his feud against Samoa Joe is kind of like a, <clears throat> a TNA reboot of some sorts, but it didn't quite live up to what they achieved in TNA. Yeah. And I think you see with AJ Styles, like I said, he's, people wish he was 10 years younger because of how good he is. And I think he is the best, you know, kind of wrestler we've seen since the uh, the podcast began. And I think we've got to be happy with that. Stan, are you happy with the top 50? I am absolutely happy, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it was a hard choice. There was a bit of a mass debate going on between us, but I think this is one of the easiest debates we've had to have you know i know there was a few compromises and a few little arguments here and there but i think you know it was it was a relative easy list yeah to kind of put together i'm happy with it i'm happy with it uh, but let's run down it let's run through it one more time then so the double top 50 list at number 50 noam dar at number 49 gentleman jack gallagher 48 the hardys 47, Neville. 46, R-Truth. 45, Cedric Alexander. Number 44, Ali. Number 43, The Bar. 42, Undisputed Deer, which is O'Reilly, Bobby Fish and Roger Strong. Number 41, Triple H. Number 40, Shane O'Mac. Number 39, Buddy Murray. Yeah, man. Number 38, Elias. Number 37, King Corbin. 36 is The Undertaker. 35 is Rusev Day. 34 is Dolph Ziggler. 33 is my 311 boy, Andrade Cien Almas. 32, the best tag team ever, Lorkin and Danny Birch. 31, he made the list, Chris Jericho. <laughs> Number 30, Mustache Mountain. Number 29, The Revival. 28, Sami Zayn. 27, Bill Goldberg. 26, The Glorious Bobby Roode. 25, you can see him on this list, it's John Cena. 24, Adam Cole, baby! 23, Volta. 22, your guy and my guy, Ali B. 21, Moxley, or Ambrose, as he was then. And in the top 20, Braun Strowman. Number 19, the Usos. 18, Brock Lesnar. 17, sound the trumpets, it's Samoa Joe. Number 16, the Scottish psychopath, Drew McIntyre. Number 15, someone who deserves to be higher than the Scottish psychopath, it's Randy Orton. 14, someone higher than Randy Orton, it's The Miz. Number 13, it's the Black Heart, Tommaso Ciampa. Number 12, Johnny Gagano. Number 11, it's a new day. Yes, it is. At number 10, it's Ricochet. At number 9, it's Bray Wyatt or The Fiend. At number 8, the overrated Finn Balor. Number 7, it's Shinzuki fucking Nakamura. At number 6, Kevin Owens. Number 5, yes, 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 Daniel Bryan. At number 4, it's Pete Dunne. Number 3, burn it down, Seth Rollins. At number 2, it is... Roman Reigns, the big dog. And of course, at number one, the phenomenal one, 
AJ Styles. Ah, so that is it. So that is it for the WR250. Thanks for uh, listening to us over two podcasts as it was. Uh, our next episode will be our Halloween special. And of course, if you disagree with our list, you can write down your top 50 list, fold it up and shove it up your ass. No, only joking. <laughs> <coughs> yes, yeah, so no, send us an email, don't forget. But if they want to contact us, Dan, and you know, send us emails to us about the list or if they're looking forward to any of it, then you can contact us on Twitter at WWE Network Review or at Vince McDan WWE underscore Rollins. Across all the Google platforms, the WNRpodcast.gmail.com. Send, go on to Instagram even, uh, the WNR Podcast there as well. Give us a follow. We're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. Come and find our page with a WWE Network Review Podcast. That's going to change soon. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, the WNR Podcast. We've got the latest clips on there. Podcasts got the same time on YouTube. There are places like SoundCloud. On you. We're on Spreaker Radio. Stitcher Radio and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. But that is it. Like I say, next time out is our Halloween special. But till then, I have been James Rollins and as always, I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening to me and bye. Bye. <laughs>